what the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example. It's you who exactly. are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had, um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal, in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Very, very interesting follow-up to something we've been covering pretty consistently from the beginning, but this is another leap in this direction, which is very concerning. Orwell sent me this yesterday in regard to DARPA or rather ARPA-H and this living pharmacies react program. Now you might've remembered this from Whitney's work discussing living foundries. And that goes back to DARPA. And that's why I made that eye roll in the beginning because for two reasons, in fact, because Trump's administration, I believe it was his, his, his daughter Ivanka who put forward HARPA which was the health-focused version of DARPA, which really it's the same difference. It's just trying to make it seem like a civilian version of the military program that is DARPA. And then, of course, Biden's administration steps in and wants to do the same thing because there is no two-party thing. It's all an illusion, and they're all playing people that are stuck in the two-party paradigm. But they said, we don't want to associate it with Trump's administration, so we'll just pretend it's different and call it ARPA-H because they're so intelligent. The concerning thing about all of this is that it goes as far back as you look in this uh, – almost two decades they've been trying to figure out a way to turn your body and we played that clip quite often in fact into drug factories turn your body into drug factories turn your body into into using genetic manipulation using gene editing using crispr gene drive all this different technology the different angles of kind of similar technology we're talking about to make your body the factory of biological things and that doesn't just apply to drugs we've talked about the weapon side of this but the military side was where this really began. And so we're going to talk about this main issue and where this is going and tie it back in with the same people doing the same things. The work that was starting this and then kind of dovetailed or or kind of took a, a momentary, uh, what's the right word for that, detour into COVID. Robert Langer and the work on the injection, the co-founder of Moderna. And how this is the same work and the same objectives that you can see back two decades ago in regard to what we're going to talk about today. Now, you could argue that's just coincidence or that they just utilize things they discovered. That's certainly possible. 
But I personally think there's a lot more going on here. And I think that people of the world, but I'm speaking from an American perspective, are people in this country, but again, the world are being experimented on. I think that's undeniable at this point. But we're also going to talk about other sides of the discussion around the injections, COVID-19, the illusion they're in, and finish with a couple of overlaps in regard to the direction of that dangerous technology. But I was going to start today with a focus, and I will play, I, I should have probably played that clip to start, to be honest, but I'll play that when we get into it. I just, it's such a common opening clip that I play, so I don't want people to think it's the same old thing. But I was going to start with a, a discussion around long COVID. Not, something I've already covered a couple of times already, so it's not a deep point. It's just to set the table for the point of today to show you how they're in such a dishonest tactic trying to just rebrand whatever's in front of them to use it in a way to justify the agenda. I, and you, got, many of you might not have even seen the three different parts of this, but most of you probably have. But I wanted to start with that to show you that and to kind of set that point in regard to the what they're doing to people with this technology and how they're just using what they're causing to justify the next step, which is, I think a lot of this is, but right before we get to that, something just popped up that somebody sent me that I think is sort of breaking news here a little bit. Uh, Ted just posted this an hour ago. I'm unfamiliar with the platform and just somebody sent this to me, but he makes an excellent point as usual, as he says, while everyone's distracted by the feckless speaker. Now you could argue that's just because that's, important to people or because that was a conversation a conversation that's meant to distract people either way as that's happening guess what just happened an emergency use authorization yes yes an emergency use authorization while there is no legal emergency for novavax now this is one that they've extended so ask yourself why they can't do that in other other circumstances but in this case they extend this out and this was today this is from october 3rd from the fda it says, since, and so Ted continues, so since there is no emergency anymore, but they need to keep lining their elitist pockets and killing people, that's his perspective on it. Well, I happen to agree for to a large point, a large point of that, especially since he used the right word elitist and not elites. But the, the, this is, and I'll just go right to the FDA's page. Thank you to Concerned for tagging me in this and letting me see that. So this is from today. This is the, uh, the emergency use authorization extension from the FDA for Novavax. On October 3rd, the FDA amended the emergency use authorization for Novavax COVID-19 vaccine to include the new formula. So they change it and just update and extend, not an approval, but the emergency authorization under the guise that there's an emergency, which gives them the illegal avenue to play it fast and loose, like they need that anyway. But the COVID vaccine, the, the Novavax COVID vaccine, ad, uh, adjuvanted and a monovalent vaccine has been updated to include the new XBB15. What's interesting is that if you read through this, it goes through, basically says, you know, because of this first emergency and because it was amended then and because we extended it here and because on the 13th, they issued it for that. And it's just like this ongoing thing and all these different dates, they did all of the, it's, it's, so what, what does that, any of that have to do with the fact that it's no longer an emergency and uh, you get, you know what this is all about. This is about the company in as he as Ted points out, trying to continue the monet, monet, the monetary aspect of this, but also I think there's a lot more going on here that's a lot more disturbing to me. Why an F, the FDA would allow the extent the extension or a new EUA like we like we did for the under twelve for the new fi- shot for the, for the new XBB by monovalent shot? 
why they are allowed to do that when there are valid alternatives, both for injections. I shouldn't say valid, but that's what they would frame it as. Both for injections and for treatments, both of which invalidate the concept of the EUA, especially establishing new ones or amending it forward. But it doesn't matter. This is an old point for most of you. But I just wanted to sink in just how corrupt this is for those that may not have recognized it yet. Crazy. Thank you for Ted for including the link and everything else. That's commendable. I appreciate it. Now, very quickly, what I wanted to start with, and I mean, quite frankly, that does kind of add to it. The idea of how fast and loose they're playing it with the legalities of it all, that there's not even real, seemingly even like the FDA as a structure. That It's really just a, a revolving door, as we know. But on top of that, a captured agency. A group that does not seem to care at all about the, 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 the very administration that's supposed to be making sure these things are safe for people don't seem to care about the safety. It's all about the necessity of the injection. Well, that's not their job. It's incredible to me. It's incredible. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue in some way that the, their job is to discuss the benefits outweigh the risk kind of logic. But let's be clear. It's not there. They know that. We've proven that. You can go back to the beginning of this discussion to show you that we now know it was never as dangerous as they said it was. We can go back to the beginning of this conversation and prove with Pfizer's own data that the, sh the shot they were giving was ex exponentially more dangerous than they said it was. There is no benefit to this. There's only risks. And I think that's what we all need to get our minds around. But on that same note, now that we're in a position where this is falling apart, and I think we all are seeing that. It's not stopping. In fact, it's even getting faster, which is kind of mind-blowing. But it's not but it is indeed falling apart that they're trying to repackage this. And you've already seen this from before. We covered this when it first came out in July, where even science.org is acknowledging, whether they want to call it rare or not, long, uh, long vax. Where is this right here? I thought it was in the title, actually, which is weird. Oh, that's strange. Did they change the article? That's very weird. In any case, that's what the rare they're talking about between corona vaccines and a long COVID like illness. So, well, if we haven't proven that long COVID is even real, which all of the current research you could look at is still them trying to figure out. We're not sure. It's a catch all. And I mean, that's what that that this one is all about. Long COVID risks are distorted by flawed research, says Sky News. So the point is, they're already establishing a a what we're, we know this really is that there's a long-term never-ending side effect with the injection and that there's psychosomatic issues coming from people being so freaked out because of the propaganda that's causing this so that even the science within the narrative is still going okay yes that's a problem and we're being forced to admit it then it can rec we can look back and say but the other research they were using to claim long covid was even possible or real or happening is distorted by flawed research it's just embarrassingly funny how this is continuing to happen this is from september 26th and the point was very clear major flaws in the literature likely exaggerated the true threat of all, exactly and the best part their the researchers were finding actually i don't even know if i even read this to you guys i had this highlighted for a while but the point was the, the over, they overestimated the prevalence of long COVID because of the, quote, overly broad definitions, lack of control groups, inappropriate control groups, and other methodological flaws or lies. These are scientists, people that do these studies. They're not stupid. They know these things don't line up. They do it anyway. Instead, the authors of the new study argue the symptoms are common among other respiratory viruses. 
they uh, they put they uh, in the British Medical Journal, they published the information around this. Uh, they basically went on to say the study argues none of the definitions, none, quote, require a causal link. You're telling me not one of these scientists could figure that out and realize, oh, this is all assumptive. No, they all know that. And they're choosing to ignore it for one reason or another. Adding symptoms that happen after a confirmed or suspected case and 200 symptoms. More than 200 symptoms they now have associated with long COVID. That's more, as far as I can tell, than are associated with COVID itself. If that's even a real thing. 200 symptoms. That's laughably stupid. And though they don't care. And so they just keep roping in anything they can. Anyway, so keep this long, not not long. The point is that they're, they're, now their own research is being showed to be false. We're even through that discovering that, yes, the injection is causing long-term side effects. And even still, Hotez will deny that when talking to Derek Rose or anybody else. It's embarrassing. And of course, I'll include this for you want to look at the two different studies. There's plenty more than that that very clearly find that there's a psychosomatic mental issue to this that has nothing to do with whether or not you had some illness you called COVID. Two peer-reviewed studies, high-level studies, doesn't matter. And this was the point to add with, end with. And so even though that's happening, even though their research is falling apart, and even though the study, the science is finding that there is a long backs problem, they're now trying to repurpose the injections to go, well, it'll treat long COVID too, though. So now you got people that no one's really getting that sick. They're trying to hype all of the illness. And, and even though, oops, looks like that's already coming down to fear mongering COVID surge turns into a trickle as this doesn't end up happening. Big surprise. Probably going to find another way to ramp it up with fake testing, but they're losing control of the illusion. The point is, well, we are giving people illness with these injections. So let's tell them the injections will treat the thing we're causing with the injections. That's what this is. Eric Topol, of all people, we know from seven studies that vaccination is associated with an, o- with an overall 30 to 40 percent reduction in long COVID. Now, you know why that probably breaks down? Because the injections you're giving them cause an in- a- 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 just like we saw with the rise and fall of the supposed immunity. Really, all we're talking about is the production of antibodies, and I'll show you that in a second. Whether or not they're even the right antibodies, who cares? As long as we show a strong response, we'll pretend we know that means you're being helped, even though these things are killing people. The point is that when you give them the injection, there is an it like it was with the uh, the like lymphocytopenia and the immune system issue, right? You saw a surge in these in these antibodies. The system did not collapse for a moment, and then it went back to collapsing. So, hey, look at that. 30% better all of a sudden. And then it's way worse after that. We'll take three more shots. Hey, 30% better. Then it's way worse. This has been the cycle since the beginning of this. So you have these people that have been watching this the whole time going, hey, take a new shot. Take a new one. 30% reduction in the thing that we're now finding is caused by the shots. It's insane. And I say, get this. They sold them jabs to stop them from getting COVID. Then they repeatedly got sick anyway. That's stupid enough. Now pushing the new, just as ineffective and dangerous COVID jabs to the same people to, you know, maybe reduce the long COVID 30, 40%, even though that's actually vaccine side effects anyway. I mean, that is almost funny if it wasn't hurting a lot of people. Unbelievable. So that whole point into this bigger conversation. And we are going to first go through some COVID-19 information before we get into the HARPA H part of this to finish. That'll be the crux of the show. The lies, the overwhelming, obvious from top to bottom manipulation, and now with the just wholesale, whole cloth lies, not even with the data to back it up. So let's go back a minute. Thank you to Arbitrary Nihilism for pointing this out. He tagged me in this, and he grabs this link from a 2021 FDA meeting and gives me the timestamp and everything. I appreciate that. So let's watch that first. 
His point is, in this, they admit, all the way back then, that males 40 and under are having large myocarditis risks, and it outweighs the potential reduction of hospitalization they might get from COVID. In 2021, which he's right, but we all know this if you're paying attention. The point is, that's not the what they're telling you was the point then. That's not what they even admitted was the point then. They've lied about it the whole time. Then we're going to go into the current one, the most recent one, and show you a couple of very alarming things that I plucked out of it that even though we've already talked about it, it's probably still going to blow your mind. So let's start with this. Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee from 2021. Now this was, make sure I get the timestamp right, 625, okay. Actually, I should have done this before we got started, but it doesn't take long. Here we go. Um, going by the recent ACIP data, describing 50 to 60 cases per million second, million second doses comes down to about uh, one per 20,000. And we really don't know what's going to happen after a third dose. Myocarditis may you got to love statements like that. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen after the third dose, but let's make sure we force that third dose on everybody just to find out. Like, that's not pushed back because it's the truth. We don't really know. So my point has always been the same. That's fine. If that's what you want to present to people and you're even saying it on a place you pretend everybody can see it on an eight-hour-long FDA stream nobody sees, the point is then you can't force it on anybody. Well, you can't anyway. But you damn well better not force something that you don't know what might be the outcome. Didn't say that properly, but the point is if you're giving them something where you don't know what will happen after the third shot, how in the world did anybody ever argue we can force that on anybody? Or give them some kind of pressure or make them lose their job? I don't care how dangerous you think something is. If you don't know what will happen next, it could just as well be more dangerous than the thing that you're pointing at. That's quite obvious, logically, right? Unbelievable. It's, this isn't even the important part. It's where the next guy comes in. Maybe less common. It may have similar rates of occurrence, or it could be more common. We understand so little right. about the pathogenesis that it seems to me we need to know that data before um, going forward with a booster dose. For Which they did anyway without question. They didn't blink. He's right, though. We should not go forward until we know they did anyway. There's no way you make sense of that, especially now knowing that at this time you could prove that what they said was COVID-19, if it was anything at all, was way less than the flu. That's peer-reviewed science. Nobody has challenged that. They just don't talk about it. So you're giving them things you don't even know the side of. Well, now we do know the side effects. They're just covering it up with something else. But that's what he's telling you right there. That we should not go forward, and the idea is that they're doing, they're, they don't know what the long-term effects will be, but at that time, we knew that myocarditis was one of them. And still, they did it anyway. I just, I, as much as I know this and watch, it still it kind of shocks me every time that it can be this, either this ignorant, which is, I guess, possible that they don't know that they're wrong, or that this criminal. Or the general population. And one of the thoughts that has come up is why can't um, Pfizer check conin levels, for example? Uh, uh, might there be subclinical myocarditis that occurs after third dose?
And guess what? He was right. That's why they didn't want to look. They still don't. Because what they're finding is a shocking level of subclinical, basically not presenting outwardly unless you look for it. And that's why we're seeing kids drop dead, athletes drop dead, because it's not something that you notice until it's too late. And that's what he's talking about. All they had to do was look for troponin levels. They would, this would have stood out. They would have found it. And but that's exactly the point. Even still to this day, they don't because it would show an overwhelming problem that we would all be like, well, obviously we know what that is. They'd probably go, oh, we're baffled. Must be climate change. I'm not even joking. Could they look at troponin levels or another parameter before and after administering that third dose to give us some reassurance that, um, that we're, not, we're not causing a problem? Those are experts on the record speaking to the FDA, and they did not care. Just make sure you wrap your mind around that. This is 2021. Nobody sees this stuff. Plenty of them spoke up. Didn't care. Oh, Dr. Fink, I I see you. You've come on. Do you have the answer? I don't know if I have the answer, but I I can offer some comments uh, from the FDA perspective. So first of all, this guy, by the way, this is important, is the FDA. Like he's speaking on behalf of the FDA. It's really tiny, but you can see his name and it says dash FDA. So consider that with what he's about to say. And then consider what we were told in 2021. The, the risk of, of myocarditis, pericarditis that we're seeing here in the U.S. Yes, the, the most uh, recent VAERS data are showing reports uh, of myocarditis, pericarditis in the range of, of 60 to 70 uh, cases per million doses in uh, the 16 to 17-year-old uh, age group, which is the, the highest reporting rate uh, among the various age groups uh, examined. Uh, and that is uh, numerically uh, lower uh, than the 1 in 6,000 uh, rate that you just heard about from Israel. Uh, on the other hand, we do know that theirs is a passive uh, reporting system, and when we query healthcare claims databases uh, such as Opta, as has been summarized in our clinical review and summary basis for regulatory action for the uh, uh, original BLA from Pfizer, what we find is uh, actually an estimate uh, with some fairly wide confidence intervals, but an estimate um, of around 200 cases per million deaths. So first of all, what he just told you is that Pfizer's own estimate before this was higher than what they were showing outwardly. And by the way, we know now that it's around one in 35. It's ridiculous. There's peer-reviewed science that's been backed up and confirmed and been repeated. They just continue to hide the data. And you can look at it. It's public. I I love the new term that David Martin said, egregiously public. I mean, it is in your face. People just plug their feet, plug their feet, plug their ears, stomp their feet, and pretend like it's not. It's fake news. I was told to ignore this. The truth is, it's overwhelming. And look, you can see it. I mean, look, remember the kind of, not really a joke, but the, the kind of joke in the beginning that, well, you know, they're telling us there's a pandemic, but you look out your window and there's nothing wrong. I'm not seeing people collapse in the street. Well, we're damn near at that point with the other side of this, right? You're out there at a state, you're out there at a concert, and people are collapsing in the, in the street. People are collapsing on stage in an event. Like, that's where, that didn't happen in the beginning. That's happening now. My voice went a little too high right there. That's happening now because of the injections they're giving. Isn't that interesting? I mean, in a terrifying way, right? I mean, that's it's just crazy. So anyway, that's what he's telling you is that their own estimate was higher. In the 16 to 17 uh, year old age group, which 
if you do the math, is about one in 5,000. So that actually is fairly similar uh, to what the Israelis are, are finding. Right. So one in 5,000 is extreme. That's outrageous. One in 5,000. Do you realize how many people that is off the top of my head? I'm not going to try to do the math. A lot of people. I mean, and we're talking children, infants, elderly. And that's, and that's okay. Why? For something that is 0.07 for people for about between 0.3 and 0.03 and 0.07 for 94% of the population. Dramatically less than the flu, according to the Ionitis group, peer-reviewed science on Science Direct. Right? Where are all those? That's really quiet all of a sudden. Where's all the trust the science crowd? Where'd they all go? Uh, as you as you stated, we, we really don't have enough data yet to know what the risk of myocarditis or pericarditis uh, would be in, in any specific age group uh, following a booster dose. It is an important question. Okay. That's the part I find most important. Now, he'll, he'll, get, he'll finish on the point that the, the poster was making about basically the risk being under 40 in general when they're trying to make it about one little category. All they really did is hide the risk everywhere else by pretending that that one was the focus. Maybe their data showed it was worse in that category, but the risk was present for everybody. Quite frankly, I don't think it's just under 40 either. But, oh, God dang it, I didn't want to have to remove this because it's so easy. It's such a tiny difference. It's so long. I just forgot what he was saying. Uh, shoot. Uh, maybe occurring, if so, what the outcomes of those cases are. We have Damn it. The uh, uh, original BLA from Pfizer, what we find is uh, actually an estimate uh, with some fairly wide confidence in it, mm. but an estimate um, of around 200 cases per million doses in the 16 to 17-year-old uh, age group, which... Uh, if you do the math, is about one in five thousand. So that actually is fairly similar uh, to what the Israelis are are finding. Uh, as you as you stated, we we really don't have enough data yet to know what the risk of myocarditis or pericarditis uh, would be. In- so frustrating. Just that moment, I had to wait. Drives me crazy. <laughs> I had to go back. So the point is, before we get to the forty, that the booster they're giving people in twenty twenty one, the same thing he was saying before. We don't have enough information. We don't know what's going to happen when we give the booster. Just like the guy said earlier than this. Well, we won't know until we give it to people. Now, all of this is to say that they then went on to force it on people. They went on to make them take the thing they don't know what will happen next. I just don't know how people aren't in prison for this unless we realize that this is in a whole government process. They don't care. Or rather, the people that have any kind of real power are completely aware of what's really going on. Unreal. In any specific age group, uh, following a booster dose, it is an important question. Uh, it is likely one that can only be answered uh, in the context of post-licensure uh, or post-authorization uh, use. Uh, but also, we agree with you completely that it is important to study whether initially subclinical cases of myocarditis uh, may be occurring, and if so, what the outcomes of those cases are which they didn't do, and we now know is gigantic. We have and, and that's where you get into the larger number, 1 in 35 data. Discussed the need for such uh, investigations with uh, vaccine manufacturers, and uh, perhaps Pfizer uh, would like to explain uh, what their plan is for uh, investigating uh, that possibility. 
Yeah, their plan is to ignore it and pretend like you're all wrong, even though you're the experts brought here. I mean, this guy's speaking for the FDA, understand. And we don't know. We don't know what will happen next. Maybe Pfizer has an answer for us. Well, guess what? None of this had any difference. They did it anyway. They gave it to people. They forced it on kids. They're still doing it now. And, and to continue. So that being said, so this is 2021, mind you. Now, remember, this is from, this is from yesterday. Excess deaths from cardiovascular disease up 44% last year. 44% in 2022 among 15 to 44. The exact group they just referenced, under 40. Gee, well, I wonder what's happening. It's, it's just stark. Here's a great tweet from Edward Dowd pointing out the, the you know, based on the breakdown data that this is what they're referencing with this, in this article. It, it's just staggering. Now, I'm not going to say I can verifiably prove to you that everything in this number is all coming from the injection, but there's only one real obvious difference. You cannot make up 44%. In, you can't argue a 44% increase over the baseline because people didn't go to the hospital, because people didn't get their checkups. That's that's irrationally stupid this is quite obviously because of the thing that we well, i mean here's here to make it even more stupid that alone what i just said with it no other bi- dynamic is stupid is it's ridiculous to ignore it but then you then you include an injection that they're admitting can cause myocarditis like stand back and think about how how ridiculous that is they're giving people a shot that they admit can cause cardiovascular diseases then we see a baffling increase in cardiovascular diseases. And they go, oh, we're baffled. We can't even fathom what could possibly be causing this. Not the shot that causes cardiovascular diseases, because definitely not that thing. I mean, that, it's, it, again, it's almost comical if it wasn't so deadly. So let's go to the one from, this is from, where's the date on here? June 15th from this year. Now, you're going to notice somebody you've seen before in this. Actually, I'll play that clip first. Dr. Levy. I'm not quite sure. I haven't done any deeper research on him and where he comes from or what he, you know, where his stance is and all of this, but he has been one person for the, almost every time on these meetings asking similar questions. What is the correlative of protection? And he almost says the same thing. I know we all talk about antibodies and we know they're important, but his bottom line question, and no one seems to answer, actually they do. And even in, the, even in 2023, their answer is, we don't know. And his question is, what's the correlation? between an antibody response post-injection and and protection from the issue we say we're fighting. Wrap your mind around the answer that is, we don't know. So the idea being that you could, if you, let's say you gave somebody the original Wuhan shot that they, what they claim is not around anymore, right? Doesn't even exist anymore. The Wuhan strain is gone. Well, your body's still going to produce antibodies to the whatever you're putting into your body. The point is it won't help you to something else. And in many cases can actually cause damage because your body's making an overproduction of those things or it's conflicting with other things you have, or sometimes it can cause that. That's the autoimmune issues and the, all the different things we talked about. So ask yourself if you're making the right antibodies now. When they were giving people the Delta shot, when they knew it was already gone, they were saying, hey, it's working. It's effective. It's 98%. In making Delta, yes doesn't help you though so at what point do they recognize it's no longer helping now understand for those out there that i'm not buying their narrative what i'm saying is using their information as usual arguing from within their narrative you can prove that what they're doing is knowingly dishonest 
within their narrative. Think about how crazy that is. Then you can step back and go, well, maybe this isn't even there. But recognizing that they, and you can prove it with their own data, that they went along and recognized way early that what they were doing wasn't working. But they didn't tell you that. They quietly rushed to try to make a new thing and then set, and they kept going, take it, take the Omicron one, take the older one, take the Wuhan strain. It's all still good until the new one came out and they got, oh, doesn't work anymore. Those are all bad. Take this one. So what, what point did you realize that? And why did you keep telling us to take the Wuhan shot all the way up until like 30 seconds ago? Well, you know why, guys, there's something very nefarious going on. So right back to this point, she says yet again that we don't know. So they're making all sorts of responses. As, as Fauci put it, we see an excellent response. Well, is it the right response? First, I'll play his clip. Because I think this is an important one. And I think actually, there's another one I want to play, actually, if I can find it really quickly. Oh, I mean, this one works too. Here, I'll play both these. I'll play all, there's three clips. And so it's the same point. If you don't know what, if you're making the right antibodies, then you can cause a pretty dangerous response. Like they're going to tell you right here. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses, that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance, in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. There's another element to safety. And that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response, and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Well, what do you know? It's amazing if you bring that up, even as a possibility, you're a conspiracy theorist. But there he is saying it right there. It's just That's how stupid all this is. So here is Dr. Levy, and I believe this was 2021, asking the same question you're about to hear him ask today. Same answer all the way back then. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously, you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. (laughs) I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Thank you. That was a quick answer, Dr. Fink. Wow. I mean, I was blown away when that was the point then. Right? But, oh, but, oh, you know dangerous emergency and we have to all the different things right but now it's quite different isn't it so we shouldn't expect them in 2023 to be like yeah we're not really sure whether the things you have happening in your body are in fact actually translating into protection don't you think that's something that we would want to know for sure So the only way you could make that logical is to say that we're in such an emergency that we have to give this a shot now because otherwise you might die. But that's not what's happening anymore. Like the fake emergency with Novavax. It's not the case. Not even by their own definitions or stats are we in risk enough to justify that. But they're doing it anyway. And I wanted to play this one too. Just just because it's part of that same 2021 uh, uh, 
FDA meeting like this one back in 2021, where they also admit that they're not even quite sure how the vaccine works. How should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells? Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. That's the same point. So we don't know exactly how it works in, in, the, in the means of it, or how, how it produces an immune response. And that's why they don't have a correlative protection. Very, very, very clear. OK, so on that note. Let's listen to. Actually, and there's a thing I want to show you right in the beginning of this. XBB descendant lineages, including XBB 1.5 and 1.16, are highly immune um, escape um, um, have immune uh, uh, have escaped immune detection. So the woman speaking is from the WHO. So I'll, I'll let her finish this in the slide. But what she's saying here is a couple. There's a couple points I want you to listen to on this slide she makes, and then Levy will come in and we'll make that point as well. So I guess I probably should have done that in a different order. <laughs> but either way, XBB descendant lineages. All the XPBEs are saying are highly immune evasive, which they wouldn't tell you that then when they're telling to get you, you know, hurry up and get the, the bivalent shot. It'll still work. Well, they knew that's not the case, but they wanted you to take it anyway because money and whatever else. Now they're going, nope, nope, now you can't because this one's the one. So just realize how they play that game. And it says the estimates of vaccine efficacy against the currently circulating variants, including SBB1, are very limited in terms of the number of studies, vaccine products evaluated, and populations assessed. Now, this is three months ago. The point, though, is they're still very, very limited and they're still pushing it on people anyway. They have There's kids that have to take this to go to school right now. And I'll get to that point in a second. But it says the Sarah from individuals who have received two, three, or four doses, and this is just in a general sense, or a booster dose of bivalent mRNA vaccines show substantially lower neutralizing antibody titers against XBB1 as compared to titers for those for the antigens, including the vaccine. Then it says individuals with hybrid immunity, or for that matter, only natural immunity, that they just love to leave that out, show higher neutralizing antibody titers against XBB1. This is a point that I need people to hear. Even some of the experts out there that would push back on this. I've been showing this same study because it's the same one that seems the most valid from the moment this came up. This was in 2021, and the point was still the same. Ultra-potent antibodies against highly transmissible variants. And it's the same point. They demonstrated that people that got sick from day one continued to produce antibodies that cross-neutralize variants of concern. And this is another example of how egregiously dishonest they're being. The people that pretend that, that there is no such thing as natural immunity when it suits their interests and now pretend like if you had it, it doesn't even matter, even though this peer-reviewed study continues to show you that you continue to make them. Now, every time you get a booster or an injection, it ruins this, right? Let's not forget that either. That's the That was the corporate news that reported that. They've censored the story and are proving it even today with Red Cross that the j- injections remove the antibodies. Your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Yep, simple as that, right? So even though you may have had natural immunity, 
the more you take, the more it's going to destroy your immune system. But the point is the same. If you've, let's just say, had one and were eventually and sick before, you still have any natural antibody. But if you have no shots, you're even better than anything. But the point is to go back to the video itself. CB1. And realizing, or was that the... Oh, yeah, yeah, same thing. So from the slide where it's simply pointing out that people that had the hybrid had higher antibodies. Why doesn't that get discussed? If these were so experts that actually cared about immunity, actually cared about dealing with whatever they say is happening, that would have been a huge point. Oh, well, clearly natural immunity works. So we need to consider that in the discussion about giving people shots, especially if we know the shots will lessen their immune system, lessen their immune. They don't care about any of that. So yet again, another example that they know natural immunity is superior in every way and always has been. They just lie about it today. Point five being one of the variants with the greatest magnitude of immune escape from neutralizing antibodies to date. The estimates of VE against currently circulating... I've pretty much just read this, so I'm just going to jump forward. So she's basically just reading the same thing that the... Uh, yeah, they haven't really studied it. They don't know for sure, but we're going to push it anyway. And that the... People with natural immunity have better antibodies. Those who were vaccinated with no evidence of infection. We acknowledge limitations of the available evidence. We had the timing, specific mutations and antigenic characteristics and the potential public health impact remain unknown. Did you hear that? The timing was under, under the, head, the category limitations of available evidence. And realize this is the meeting before they justify making this shot forced on children, which is happening. Or, or, and we'll get into that in regard to the fact that they gave the, I, I didn't even think about this, because they, they pretend that 11 and under are still emergency authorized, which we just made that point. It's absurd. But that 12 and up are somehow, they're piggybacking on the false commodity approval. So the point is they now have an approved injection, they claim, which they legally do, even though it's a complete illegal game. For children, 12 and up, which means they're now going to recommend it, which they have for the children's schedule, which means the schools are going to require it, which they are, to go to school. With with this base, with no human evidence of the Pfizer trial, nothing. I mean, that this is criminal. It's dangerous for dangerous sake, it seems. But under limitations of evidence, it says the timing, the specific mutations and antigenic characteristics, and the potential public health risks of future variants remain unknown. Unknown. I just don't understand how people can pretend this is what we should be listening, like who we should be listening to. Or rather, that where are the people that are supposed to be listening to what she's saying? Mutations and antigenic characteristics and the potential public health impact remain unknown. The majority of available preclinical and clinical responses are to XBB1 and 1.5 and minimal data on any of the other variants. The data on immune... So they don't have, they have minimal evidence or information on the other things. So they're just focusing on this at all costs, just like they have before, even though they already have proven as, as Dr. Peter McCullough showed you, this is already gone. The thing that they're giving this for the variant, it's already gone. As it, especially for those that don't think it's ever been there, then you're in the same boat already anyway. It's not there. So you're not being helped with the thing they're giving you is the ultimate point that we can all agree on. But think about how ridiculous that is, even from within their narrative, based on their own, uh, I think it's seroprevalence, the right word for that, the tracking of the variants. It, their information shows that it's gone. They're just because they pretend they think it should have an effect, we're back in the same boat they did from Delta to Omicron, from Omicron forward, and every time before it's showing you that not only does it not work, it hurts people more than it already was. And yet here we are again.
responses over time following infection are limited. The data on immune responses specific for XBB1 descendant lineages are largely restricted to neutralizing antibody. And are data on immune responses over following infection of the current data on immune responses over time following infection with currently circulating variants are limited. What? So they have no data on the immune responses over time is what they're saying? Yes. They have very limited, very short data about what you see right after the shot is given. Well, we don't know if it's the right ones, which we'll hear again next. Could be any kind of antibodies. Could be How do we know that the antibodies you're making for the thing? How do we know XBB15 is even what we're dealing with out there? That's the point. But on top of that, the immune response over time. You know why they don't want to look at that? Because I guarantee you within 30 seconds, this starts to collapse because your immune system has been destroyed by these dangerous shots. Like every other single time before this. And sure, because you don't have the data, you can go, well, we don't know. Maybe it'll get stronger. Maybe it'll work better. Maybe you'll grow wings. Who knows? Of course, maybe. The point is, though, based on everything we know so far, all of the data from before, every shot you've done thus far, the same thing's likely going to happen, which is it will tank and we hear, and they'll go, we'll take another one. And we're right back in the swing. Even though we're, you know, what I said the first time, not, it's not the right position. Limited for other aspects of the immune response, including cellular immunity. Data on protection conferred by hybrid immunity are largely derived from populations that received mRNA booster vaccines. What kind of statement is that? Data on the protection can, by hybrid. Where's the data on natural immunity? It's just so egregiously dishonest. They know that there's an important discussion there. I, if it's having hybrid immunity, then you know it will have an effect. And then, of course, all they say is, even under the hybrid category, that they're largely derived from people that have shots in their bodies. What does that even mean? Or you could frame it differently. It's largely derived from people that got natural immunity. But you see, it's all about the way they frame this. All they want you to take away from that is immunity because shot. It's not true. Data on VE, on current COVID vaccines, including index-based and bivalent against XBB descendant lineages were limited and estimates during periods of XBB1 descendant lineage circulation were only available for the mRNA vaccines. Data on candidate vaccines that include an XBB1 descendant lineage were limited to animal models. Great. So in the very beginning, they refused to do animal models because it, ref it would demonstrate the issue that they later found out and pretended they didn't know. Now they do it first and hide the other side of it. Pretty honest, isn't it? Now, here's where we get into the important part. While currently approved COVID-19 vaccines, including those based on the index virus, continue to provide protection against severe disease, our committee advised moving away from the inclusion of the index virus and future formulations of COVID-19 vaccines. I think I'm going to skip this, but the, the first of all, it does not continue to reduce serious illness. and It does not. It does not. There is no, I don't care what you pretend is happening. If you're giving antibodies that you don't know whether it even correlates with protection, if you don't even know how that function, that process even truly functions, how do you even pretend you know that there's that it's helping people reduce anything? You can't just keep going, well, they didn't die. It would have been worse. That's a called an assumption. It's not science. And on top of that, you can prove with the overwhelming body of side effects that the benefits do not outweigh the risks. So it doesn't really matter how you spin this top. It always ends up in the same position. Dangerous. The index virus, closely related, no longer circulates in humans. For a couple of reasons. First, the index virus and antigenically closely related variants no longer circulate in humans. Right. And that's what's already happening with the shot they're doing now. So why doesn't that, why isn't that included? According to Dr. Peter Mercola, it's down to less than 
So they clearly could point it out with the older ones. Right? I mean, so she must know that. It's dishonest. The index virus antigen elicits... Un- yeah, I'm just going to go here for the sake of time. And there's some there's points in here. I could always make points about what they're saying. But here's where Dr. Levy comes in and asks an important question. Levy. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Subaru, for a great presentation. You elegantly reviewed WHO's uh, assessment of the uh, variants and the antibody response uh, to the different variants and, and how those do or do not match up. Um, my question to you relates to correlates of protection. This has been an ongoing issue. How well do we know those correlates? Obviously, antibodies are important and are well worth measuring. They're not the whole story. Dr. Offit uh, made a comment earlier today, which I agree to uh, as well. Has WHO considered any T-cell-based immunologic data in uh, analyzing uh, the situation? And what do you learn? What do we learn from that? Yeah, no, I think that's... And, a- and, and I'm sorry, and it's specifically around the issue of any potential value of including the uh, original index strain. You're very clear in your recommendation that you don't think that's indicated at this point, but does the T-cell data speak to that point as well? Thank you. Thanks. Um, that, that last point is simply saying, is there any value in including the original strain? Because there's some, his I guess his argument, if I'm re- interpreting it correctly, is that there seems to be evidence in his mind that there might be a T-cell, a positive reason regarding T-cell immunity of using that. And that could argue why there's some level of people thinking that that made sense all the way up to the bivalent level. But my point is the same, is if, if at the end of the day, it's not even present. Even if you end up with a T-cell immune response to that older thing, you're then still producing antibodies for that older thing, which then may possibly conflicts with the other productions of antibodies, and you can end up with antibody-dependent enhancement or the different things we've talked about. So it just seems like a clumsy effort to try to throw everything at the wall and see what eventually sticks. But listen to her response about correlates of protection. So I think that we all acknowledge that um, neutralizing antibody is a very important correlate of protection, but it doesn't tell the whole story because as we see um, in repeated data sets, that there's very poor neutralizing activity against um, the XBB descendant lineages um, induced by the ancestral vaccine. And yet there's good protection against severe illness and death. I, that's not true. You see, this is, I don't know whether she knows that or doesn't care. And, you know, but my point is, if you just look at the data you're supposed to think is the truth, well, oh, apparently it works here and this category works well. And well, that's not true, though. I think we can clearly prove that these things are super dangerous for anybody. So why would they be any more beneficial to somebody who is 75 against something that's not dangerous in general that might not even be present? I mean, that, that to me seems like a, a statistical anomaly. Like you're just using the data to make it look like they somehow have a reduction in hospitalization because you saw a taper down after you gave the injections when all you really did was stop testing hospital beds and stop amping up the cycle threshold. I mean, and maybe she doesn't know that. Now, I'm not saying I can prove that's exactly 100% the entire picture, but I could prove to you with the data and the peer-reviewed science from day one to now that those things are not beneficial for anybody. Therefore, that's not true. You question me, look into it for yourself. So clearly um, other arms of the immune system are playing a role there. We do not have a um, a lot of data on understanding the mechanisms for that protection. Did you hear that? You don't have a lot of data on understanding the mechanisms of the protection. That's what they said in 2021. Either they're hiding something or they don't even care to look because they're worried about what they'll find. 
You tell me what you think. How is that? How is it even possible? Um, and we're not. I, and I really can't point to a lot of information that provides that. Her name is. I Dr. got it. Is a gap. Is her name is Dr. Subaru. It's really tiny, but if the, the links in the show notes, you'll be able to zoom in and find it. But Dr. Subaru from the WHO. Is WHO advocating that for the future to to capture more of this T cell data? Absolutely. Is WHO on record uh, with that? Um, So there are different parts of the WHO um, committees, including the Technical Advisory Group on Virus Evolution, as well as TAG-COVAC. But we would certainly encourage ongoing studies to try to understand this. Thank you. Good. Good. In the meantime, quick force in your child's arm. Right. But we'll study and we'll figure out whether it's even affecting the body the right way. But in the meantime, take it. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And thanks. Somebody points out rightly in, in the chat, the uh, Brooke Jackson discussion has really highlighted what they hid in the laboratory and so on. Right. I mean, remember, I've interviewed her three times now. And I was the first one to interview her about that whole story after she broke that British Medical Journal and Thacker broke that story. It's an important one, in fact. But there's so many examples of this showing you how the whole process is corrupt. So he's basically just saying, are you are you on the record? Like, are you actually I'm willing to bet you anything that does not happen, at least not that we get to see you, Dr. Chatterjee. Crazy. I mean, really, absolutely crazy that we're still in a position today where they are willing to say we don't know. We see a good response, though. We see you pumping out all sorts of antibodies. So we're going to assume that that's the right antibody because otherwise we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael Schellenberger points out the CDC says giving the newest COVID vaccine booster to children and young people outweighs the risks. And here's another person who agrees, but it does not. For anybody, I would make sure we understand. And now we have evidence that the CDC lied about the and, and covered up the risk of myocarditis. Blockbuster new reporting by uh, Alex Gutentag. The link, I believe, is down here. But the point is that this is, we already showed you the, I think it was from Daily Clout, the 46th FOIA emails. And there's, I mean, every angle, this is falling apart. They now know that we now know they knew this risk. They hid it from everybody. And yet here they are still pretending like the data that they're li- that the lied information or the, the, the dishonestly shown information is still being touted as the reality, either from people that don't know or don't care to look. But it's all right there. We have the we have their emails where they get caught, and funny enough, corporate media doesn't care. Isn't that interesting? Well, the alarming part of this, as I was saying earlier, this is from a few days ago. The defender writes, "Outrageous approval of new Moderna shots for kids could spark school mandates." Doctor warns. Now, this is the the same eleven and up or twelve and up approval for the you know really it's just a piggyback on the on the community shot that was never given and they changed it multiple times and just still just they just go rubber stamp update approval which is unbelievable and then still somehow allow emergency authorizations even though that's completely contradictory but the point parents should be concerned that the u at the fda earlier this month granted full approval god that drives me crazy i don't know why they write full approval that's not a thing to moderna spike vax covid19 vaccine for children 12 years and old and 12 years old and older, because now that the vaccine for school age kids is no longer an EUA emergency authorization product, schools may be more likely to mandate them. I'd be going, that's Dr. Mel Nass saying that I'll go one step further. They're going to, these schools are going to just, just like they do the flu shot or anything else. Nass, an internal, uh, internal medicine physician and member of the children's health defense scientific advisory board called the FDA's decision outrageous and illegitimate. The ACIP who we were just looking at, uh, or no, and we're thinking. I'm thinking of uh, what was the, what's the group? What's the name for them? The 
the VRBPAC. That's what that one is. The vaccine. That's the FDA group. So the CDC's ver- group over here, the v- the ACIP, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, actually voted to add the COVID vaccines to the schedule in 2022. We talked about it then. So states may actually begin to add them now because they just shoehorn this in under community says quote that could in turn result in public school vaccine mandates for this vaccine it's already happening and of course you may not have seen put this together at the time on september 11th of all days is when they approved the xbb dangerous shots unbelievable and as rachel clark here clutches her pearls and screams after elon musk after weirdly getting shots and justifying and all sorts of weird things is now, you know, in a very Trump-esque fashion going, just what you want to hear. <laughs> he puts out a meme going, imagine a vaccine so safe you have to be threatened to take it or a disease so deadly you have to be tested. No, you have it. Yeah, that old gem that we were all putting out in 2020. He's now, you know, there's a lot of these people that are kind of just coming around to, and they're kind of re- recycling through all the old things that we were sharing. I don't quite honestly take it at face value. I think this is more about going, I'm on your side. But here's what Rachel does. Hi, Elon. NHS palliative care doctor here, which I guess we'll just assume she's not lying about. I cannot begin to count the number of people I witnessed suffocating to death from COVID-19. Okay, well, so are we sure that's what it was? Are we sure it wasn't? I mean, the point is, at that time when they were talking about this, we have Dr. Rydell on the record going, we're not even treating the right thing. He's a doctor. He knows what he's talking about. The point is that there was a lot of conflation. There's PCR tests that we can't prove or even testing for the right thing based on isolation because we now know there were Nipah clones and, and influenza clones in the samples that they were testing for that they say were isolated. That comes directly from a Japanese peer-reviewed study all the way back to Moderna and the data that come from China. Does she know all of that? I guarantee you she does not. But the point is, but she knows because the CDC told her that people in those beds had COVID. So when they suffocated to death from the ventilators they put in their mouths, and it's, it's COVID that did that apparently, it's, it's COVID's fault. You know, the thing that is dramatically less than the flu for everybody was from the beginning. That's what, that's what we're being told. But she goes, how dare you trivialize their deaths, their families, grief, their trauma? Well, is that what he's doing? I'm no fan of Elon Musk. I'm not defending anything. The point is, what he's saying is the vaccine is dangerous and the illness is not. It's very, very simple. But because this cuts away at the, of the, the narrative that they're seemingly dying to defend at this point, they, they just have to attack, right? But here's what I said. You mean the way that many of you have and continue to trivialize the deaths and life-altering effects caused by the COVID injections and their family's grief because of it and the trauma they experienced simply for trying to inform others of the risk, you disgusting hypocrite? Yeah. Like, think about the the simple how ignorant it is to not be able to recognize that you're doing the same. You know why? Because in her mind, she's right. And they're a liar. It doesn't matter. That's your opinion. The point is, you're doing the same thing in reverse, but you just can't see it because you're so blinded by politics. Ridiculous. Makes me very sad, in fact. I feel bad for this person. Now, also, I think it's interesting, by the way, that no matter what, there's supposed to be four comments here. I keep talking, she's trying to show people this. There is some weird stuff going on. Now, I can look at a private page. I can ask other people. This doesn't show up. There's, There's some weird stuff. I keep showing you guys that on this platform right now. Now, again, by the way, as yet another fear-mongering hype about a small uptick in a very, very, very small... Like, you can, like I I've sh- I think I've shown you the, the chart many times that I think Chief Nerd shared where, you know, comparatively, we're at a lesser point than almost any other point in the entire illusion of the pandemic. And yet you get a little into uptick and they go, oh my God, Cole is back. Well, Ned already went back down. 
sure we're going to see another push artificially, but my point is it's all hype all the time because they're lying to us guys. And we need to really understand that. And the re and that that's why we're seeing stuff like this. Mr. T right. Mr. T of all people. Why is he an expert on vaccines? No. Is he even that famous? Not really. Not in the sense of the current setting. People know him. We all know who Mr. T is, right? That's really why, but why would anybody care if Mr. T thinks the vaccine is safe? That's how blatantly, obviously manipulative this is. They're just like, who else can we pick? Right? Martha Stewart, can you go? Oh, she already did that. Anybody else? Anybody famous that wants to scream our narrative? We'll pay you. Oh, sure. Why not? Pulling out the desperate measures, guys, using old actors playing old roles in a weak attempt to convince you that it's safe. You know why? Because Mr. T said so. This is actually how juvenile they think we are. They're wrong for most of us. Reality is... Very few people are stupid enough to take these verifiably dangerous mod RNA injections. Sad. And here's another example. Hey, guess what? Travis Kelsey told you that they're okay and safe because he's a vaccine expert, right? No. He's just a known person. For the Chiefs, I think. Oh, and he also told you it's okay to get the shots at the same time. You know why? Because experts agree. I mean, that's just pathetic. So they come out with doctors and go, you're good. Fauci said, take, Jaw said, take them at the same time. But apparently that wasn't enough. People weren't doing it. So what do they do? They find experts, they find celebrities. Now, how do you take that as anything other than manipulative? It's just pretty sad, right? He says, take them both. Why? Because that's what he was told. (laughs) That's, That's your story. It's pretty pathetic. Well, I'll include this if you care to look at it again. It's the same as this very moment whether it's the XBB shot or anything else, they have not, repeat it with me, they have not tested these alongside each other. They don't know. And their own data says the same thing. We do not know if this will affect the efficacy or the safety of anything else taken alongside it. But you know why you know it's okay? Because Travis Kelsey told you it's okay. That's why. How embarrassing. I'm, I'm telling you, people really aren't this stupid, but they think they are. And this is an old tweet. I put this out in 2022. But my point is the data is the same. You can look at the current documents, same point. And then far, uh, CBS, Walgreens, right? They're all, they're all saying it's safe. Take them all at the same time. Because the CDC also says that. Because they're also lying. Here's the CDC on that very note. Guess what? On September 29th, a new CDC study of the Tdap vaccines. Really? They're, they're telling you, hey, it's, it's a new study says they're safe among pregnant people. Why do the pregnant woman even need that vaccine? But the point is, on all, across the board, guys, it's because they're vaccine salesmen. It's the reality. And we need to see that by now. This is all they do. I said, you guys really are the best at what you do. No question. And what you do is sell vaccines. The best damn vaccine salesman in the world, in fact. And that is because you never let anything get in the way of your core mandate. Vaccine sales. No fact or risk factor stands a chance. CDC. Now, I also want to point out, as I said, here's an example of the false majority. The CDC, guys, has 5.5 million followers. You know, so we're told anyway. Yet, not only do they get ratioed while presenting what they're what we're told as science <clears throat> or to take as science, and my comment gets more engagement than theirs for posting what we're told is anti-vax misinformation, yet is true. Now, here's what it was back then. That's what that's ratioed, right? 84 likes, that's it. 5 million followers. Here's what it is now. 
clearly trying to get their like brigade going on, right? But the point is the same. I've got more engagement with 50,000 plus followers, so we're told, <laughs> with, you know, I'm just, what I'm trying to show people is that we, the majority is on your side when it comes to specific topics today. And then just largely becoming very, you know, questioning things. And of course, this is exactly why Biden's going, please stop questioning the shots because it's safe and effective, right? Right? Biden wants you to know, trust the plan, right? <laughs> Who else was it saying trust the plan? I, I, you know, I can't remember for the life of me, but you know, Biden's telling you, Biden wants you to know to trust the plan, guys. You think of somebody else calling you to trust, trust the, anybody telling you to trust the plan is not on your side. Very simple. But stop questioning the shots. <laughs> Silly. Well, one of the reasons they don't want you to question the shots is because they are apparently overrun with DNA contamination. And they don't want anybody to know. Even, even the spectator just covered this. Rebecca Barnett says one of the, and this is her new article with Kevin McKernan, showing that they are over discovery of DNA contamination in these shots. And they don't care. It's pretty alarming how obvious this is, in fact. Now, Kevin McKernan has even pointed out now that they knew this big surprise, like every other aspect of it. Quite frankly, almost everything seems to feel deliberate at this point. But he includes this document, which you can read for yourself, right? Very clear, 2005. The role of plasmid constructs containing the SV40 DNA nuclear targeting sequence in catatonic lipid-mediated DNA delivery. That's what we're talking about, guys. You can read it for your... Now, here, I, I actually I included this because it makes it simple. Because read it's, it's it is abstract. Crom asks him, "How would you explain this to the layperson?" Here's what he says. Now, this is actually really important for people that think that there's some kind of, I guess you know, even though it's already been predicted. Like, I guess the, you know, Q was telling us September 13th it was all going to happen, and then they were like, "No, no, no, September 23rd." Excuse me, and that didn't happen. Now we're being told, and I'm, I never dismiss any of this stuff. My point is that they've been wrong so many times, but now we're being told on October 4th tomorrow that the FEMA up uh, warn the warnings alert system testing or whatever they're going to do that that's when it's going to happen now maybe maybe i'm not going to dismiss anything we're actually going to be live on pirate stream when that happens so i guess we'll find out but my point is if you think there's anything to that topic here's something that actually makes sense to me and the argument would be people are guess saying that the lipid nanoparticles contain some kind of you know marber or whatever the narrative is i can't seem to verify any of that stuff so maybe maybe not but what we can verify According to Dr. Kevin McKernan and the data that I have also myself seen that the, he says the in the lipid nanoparticles, that's where the DNA contamination is. It's part of the SV40 mammalian promoter. Carpet bombing the genome, he frames it, with mammalian promoters is an unnecessary risk. Moderna, interestingly enough, doesn't have that. But it does, interestingly, have three times more mRNA per dose. Interesting. I guess we'll find out test time which one is more dangerous. Now ask yourself why, and they're both very dangerous. Nobody should take any of these things. Ask yourself why that is. Doesn't that seem like an experiment to you? And we told you, how could we have known? And I, I mean, I was giving you my opinion. I didn't know for sure. But what did I say in the very beginning? It's going to be the mRNA. It's going to be Pfizer Moderna. How many times did I tell you that? And yes, it was my opinion, but here we are because one Fauci was clearly invested in one of those platforms. And then also we knew that the mRNA direction was what they were pushing. So now we have both of those being used predominantly. And the one has SV40 promoters and the other doesn't. And the other one has extra mRNA. It's almost like they want to see which one works better. And they're using you to find out. Just my opinion, but that has 
led us the right way a lot, this, this process, hasn't it? But SV40, so arguably you could simply ask whether what happens next, whatever that may be in your mind, might end up releasing something like that, or whether it's already happened. We're seeing turbo cancers all over the place. Now, I shouldn't even use that term because I do. I think people dismiss that. But just cancer. We're seeing aggressive cancers that come out of nowhere, never like never before, according to all oncologists all over the world. We're baffled, though, guys. We're absolutely baffled. But read it for yourself. Kevin McKernan, you should follow. He's doing excellent work. And then again, just to remind you, this is what we're talking about in one of the many ways. Cancers are one part of this, guys, but the lipid nanoparticle mRNA platform side of it, as well as the spike protein and the continued making of that are causing myocarditis and other cardiovascular diseases. And it's up 44% in UK between 15 to 44 in the last year. But we're baffled. And I just want to include this for you if you want to read it again, because I've talked about it many times. Brett Seth Levy pointed out the platform is the problem in a large way in regard to myocarditis. There's the science.org peer-reviewed study that we're all supposed to ignore because it's the wrong science, apparently, according to the Trust the Science crowd. But here's my coverage of it. Study finds mRNA platform itself is driving myocarditis. And Dr. Peter McCullough points out, and this is where we're going to get into the DNA contamination overlapping with the Nobel Prize winning discussion. Many asking questions about the DNA contamination of the Nobel Prize winning mRNA vaccines. Well, we go see this important notice. They talked about it in the World Council for Health, which, by the way, you should also follow and Dr. Peter McCullough. But let's talk about that. You might, If you haven't seen this, you might have a good laugh at this. This is from yesterday. COVID vaccine scientists win the Nobel Prize in medicine. Specifically, Drew Weissman and Caitlin Carrico. Nobel Prize in medicine for specifically the development of effective mRNA vaccines. Well, you know, maybe that's the case. Maybe they're super effective at killing people. Maybe they're super effective at some kind of delivery payload system that they successfully figured out. Maybe they're, you know, on and on and on. They're definitely not super effective at what they claim they're doing. But here's the interesting point. The way that even the media is framing this is making it about the, the vaccine right? That's not really what they did. They created an mRNA lipid nanoparticle, or I guess I take that even further back. Even I'm misrepresenting that because if we'll listen to, and I'll just jump to it right now, Dr. Malone, oh, this is just the Nobel prize. You know, the same people that gave Obama a Nobel peace prize, because that's totally not ridiculous. <laughs> and even he said it wasn't, it was, he, was, he, he did say it was ridiculous on the record. He was said it was, didn't think he deserved it, which I think we all agree with that in physiology or medicine has been awarded to these two people for, again, effective mRNA vaccines. That's not even actually what's happening, though. But here, and I can't, I can't, I keep doing this. Here's where I wanted to go. Let me play this really quickly so I don't get out of, out of order. Tedros gave the blessing, by the way. We saw this on AM Wake Up today. It's a great day for vaccines, he says, because this happened. It's a great day for health, a great day for science, and a great day for vaccines. I offer my warmest congratulations to Dr. Kathleen Carrico and Dr. Drew Weisman, who today won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for their work in developing the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Now, yeah, now that, that's actually an accurate way to frame that. But that's not really what everyone is saying in the movie. They're saying for making the effective vaccine. Pretty typical of how dumb the corporate media are today. 
or maybe that's the way they're told to report it. They don't even know that they're wrong. My point is, just like we showed you with the rabies vaccine we just covered, like, it's completely harmless. Well, because that's what they were told. But I can verbatim prove to you from the, from the science that it's not even remotely completely harmless. But they say it, and they don't even know they're wrong. Against COVID-19. As they have for some... Yeah, good enough. We don't care what you think. <laughs> so the point, as Dr. Malone points out, because remember, he, in fact, is the creator of the uh, mRNA uh, vaccine process. And he says, Carrico and Wiseman get the Nobel, not for inventing mRNA vaccines. He goes, because I did that. But for adding this, this is important, the pseudouridine, the N1-methyl pseudouridine modified RNA. That's what we're really talking about. So they're getting the Nobel Prize for adding the thing that allows unlimited spike proteins that allows this the mod rna to not dissolve and this continue to circulate so in other words the dangerous part it says and here this is and this is what why rightly so myself along with others are you know are a little skeptical and not to say i know for sure but i'm skeptical of everyone for that matter but skeptical of malone in this sense because he has seemingly continued to argue that mRNA technology might still be useful. And maybe he's right. I disagree. I just, I mean, I, let's put it this way. I'm not an expert, but I do think it's near impossible with the system we have today to let this keep going forward. Personally, I think the system as it is, is wildly dangerous. He makes the argument that it's because of that addition. But I don't know. There's a lot more evidence to that. So be skeptical of everybody. My point is, he goes on to say, in manufactured in what could have been a, damn it, I like, to, I like this view. What could have been a safe and effective vaccine platform? So that's a little concerning to me. I mean, because all we're really talking about then, even if you think the platform is safe, is you're still talking about a dual-use payload delivery system, which could be used to deliver dangerous things. And that's what we're talking about, is all you do is put in a different sequence that delivers something other than the spike protein. That's still the platform he's discussing. So I have a hard time agreeing with that. But I do think it's important to point out that the pseudouridine is what they're getting the award for. He goes, Pfizer has been campaigning for this since 2020. At first, they even claimed, as did Carrico, that she invented the mRNA vaccine platform technology, which she did not. Pfizer donates heavily to uh, Carino Linska Institute, which awards the Nobel uh, Science has been hijacked again by pharma. Very interesting, right? So here they are getting the Nobel Prize and they're making it about the injection. But really what we're talking about is the the, the alteration of this and even the delivery part of it. And here's what Robin, Robin Minotti adds to it. Do you see it yet? And he's, he's quoting Malone's point about the pseudouridine. Hint, the Nobel was awarded to those who made mRNA vaccines toxic. Which again, I would argue that the, the, in and of themselves, there's danger. Very clearly. Not safe. The Nobel was hard, handed over to a depopulation invention. Very interesting. So let's go back to 2021. Chief Nerd point this out. We're going to listen to Drew Wiseman himself. In 2021, discussing, as Chief Nerd frames it, describing the safety of his product. But I don't necessarily think I agree with the exact framing like that. Because look, if, if we're talking about the, specifically an aspect of the platform, as Dr. Malone is pointing out, not the whole platform. And if we have Drew Wiseman here discussing the whole platform, you might be able to make the argument that he's not discussing his part of it. Either way, I disagree with what he says here. I just want to make that clear. 
So here's what he says, and, and he discusses the 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 idea that it's mRNA, not mod RNA, that there are no long-term side effects, that it does not go into your DNA. All these things we can prove aren't true. So either he didn't know that, and he was taking the narrative spun about the platform as everybody else was, or he did, and he was lying and covering it up because he's part of it. I don't know. You can decide for yourself. But my point is, everything he's about to say here, we can prove is not true. So how can we be sure that this vaccine will not cause long-term negative impact in humans? Like, that's one of our big questions that we hear a lot. Right. And that's at the time when they had already given it out to the population. Because that makes sense. Right? We don't know. And that's still the case today. We don't know long-term side effects. But keep giving it anyway. So, I mean, the, the first is to understand what the vaccine is. The, the mRNA in the vaccine is identical to the RNA in your cells. False. 100% false. Now, does he know that? Right? Or is he under the impression that the mRNA is what's being used? But here's what's interesting. We know that he is responsible for the, the uh, mod RNA aspect. Right? For the N1-methyl pseudouridine modification. That's what he's, that's what they did. So it's kind of hard to see this is him hiding that. But how does that make sense then if he's now winning a Nobel Prize for the very information that you can actually look up and find in the documentation, right? I mean, in the actual documentation, as I've shown many times, it quite literally says M-O-D-R-N-A. In fact, that's literally where the name Moderna comes from. That's how silly this is. It's not mRNA. And the point is, even if you want to pretend that it's just a different type, it's not identical to what's in your body. It is a modified RNA for the very purpose of allowing it to last longer. We've proven all of this, guys. So that's pretty alarming that he would lie like that. So the, the RNA in your cells isn't causing long-term adverse events. So the RNA in the vaccine won't either. False. Provably, dangerously false. The, the RNA is degraded probably within a week. It's completely gone. Well, that's actually a perfect thing to show you really quickly. Let's see. And it kind of overlaps with the other point we were making. Oops. Dang it. Sorry. Taking too long. You're with me. I'm going to hurry and then I mess it up. This part. We mentioned the Red Cross. I figured I could include the same thing. I keep keep throwing in their face because it's fun. But what does this peer-reviewed study say again? Oh, that's right. January 17th. Here, let's just bring up the study itself. Just in case somebody won't think, well, fair enough, though. Screenshots, right? Here it is. 2023. SARS-CoV-2 spike mRNA, actually mod. That's the point. It's mod RNA. But either way, even look, even if it wasn't, this study disproves what he just said. But the reason that this is in your blood is because it's mod RNA. But it says the spike mRNA vaccine sequences circulate in your blood up to 28 days after the injection. That's pretty damn simple. That's not been retracted. That's not been disputed. It's the truth, guys. It's the blatant, provable truth. Now, I just included another one. Oh, this is somebody else pointing out another study, by the way. See, right there, 15 days point. That's a good one. I should keep that one for the same point. But we just, we added this one. This was from the 28th. Here's what it says. You guys already saw it. And now we have another one. 
The results suggest that SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccines routinely persist up to 30 days from the vaccination and can be detected in the heart. Another peer-reviewed study. All right. So, I mean, kind of hard to see him as lying right here, right? You guys can decide for yourself. The week, it's RNA is degraded probably so the RNA in the vaccine won't either. So the, the RNA in your cells isn't causing long-term adverse events. I just want to play that one part Vaccine again. is. One of our big questions. So I mean, the, the first is to understand what the vaccine is. The, the mRNA in the vaccine is identical to the RNA in your cells. So the, the RNA in your cells isn't causing long-term adverse events. So the RNA in the vaccine won't either. The, the RNA is degraded probably within a week. It's completely gone. Wow. What the a lie. The nanoparticles contain four types of fat. Two of the fats are identical to what's in our cells. They're, they're physiologic. The other two are present at incredibly low levels. They are gone within 24 to 48 hours. They're just you know, the, the body degrades them. They're gone. So nothing of the vaccine is left. Except for possibly the DNA contamination that's in the lipid nanoparticles. Does he know about that? Does he care? Up for you to decide. But we can prove that it's there. It's been, it's been proven around the world now. Multiple other labs and scientists around the world have confirmed this for themselves. We even just played you the one that was confronting the, uh, I think it was a state legislature, right? Telling him, look, I found this. And the, the woman after him said the same thing. Right, so no, he's wrong, guys. Provably wrong. After days to a week or so. The question that comes, well, then how do you get a long-term adverse event? Well, you can't for many components of the vaccine. Wow. I mean, guys, this is the board. How, this, is, this should be criminal, right? You are responsible for this and you are just wholesale lying about this. Or, I mean, I guess for some, some abstract possibility that he doesn't know that. Maybe because he didn't even do it and he's lying and covering for somebody else. I'm just simply being objective. It's always possible. But I think with everything we know, it seems most likely he's lying about this. That's pretty alarming to me. Now, that is what dangerous misinformation looks like. Because they're gone. The, the mRNA does not integrate into the DNA. It, it doesn't. False. False, false, false. Again, here's a peer-reviewed study from 2022. The spike protein is neurotoxic and it impairs DNA repair mechanisms. Oh, well, that's not even the best one, quite frankly. We have, I, I, you guys know, we've covered this a million times. It's already being shown multiple ways that there is genome manipulation. It's just that, it's incredible that this can be such a blatant lie. The DNA, it doesn't change the DNA. It doesn't mutate the DNA. It does nothing to the DNA. So that, that's one of the social media myths that, that you have to throw out. Or acknowledge because we're proving it today, right? But it's all, it's all fake news, social media. It doesn't do anything to the DNA. That's, um, but that's, so, you know, it, it, it's just hard to imagine how it could have long-term effects. 90% of adverse events to vaccines happen in the first six weeks. Hmm. We haven't seen anything. 15 million people have gotten the vaccine already. The only really serious adverse event is this anaphylaxis-like reaction. Right. And at that moment, we can prove they knew myocarditis was through the roof. Don't forget that. We can prove their own emails show they knew that. And here they are 
well, he is lying about it. Or he wasn't being told that because they were hiding that information. Or however you want to look at it. This is all false. I mean, it's, it's overwhelmingly false. That's what's so alarming about this. And these people are doctors or whoever, and they go and inform people with the wrong information. And that's how it works. And they will swear that you're a conspiracy theorist because they listen to the expert. He made it. He knows. See how easy this is? People just fall into these traps because they, they trust people. That we're seeing in about one in a hundred thousand people. Uh, other than that, there really nothing, you know, 15 million people have been injected. That's, that's a lot of people. And if we were going to see an unusual adverse event, you know, if, 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 you know, would you care about something that occurred less than one in 15? I actually think he stopped that statement if I if he's being as dishonest as I think he is, because what he was going to say is, well, we would see it right. Well, we are. I love how you're using theirs to make a point. But then when you actually look at it, how do you explain the outrageous high, the spiking of every problem just after COVID-19 injections? You can't pretend that the ones you look at that you like make sense and then ignore all the rest. It's a signal system. There is no verifying the system. That's the point. It's never been meant to be verified, as they've always said before COVID-19 illusion started. As Dr. Rain said in 2006 to The Guardian in the UK, it's not meant to be verified. They all know this, and they're playing on the ignorance of the average person. 15 million. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the point he ends with there, would you care about one in 50 million? Yeah, I do. If that one is my child, yeah, I care. Choice. They don't get to decide these things but they're trying unreal. Thank you, chief nerd for sharing that with the source link. I appreciate that. Here's the link. You can watch the whole thing for yourself. Now I'll include, I'll include this study, right? That shows you exactly what he says isn't happening. The idea of the mRNA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of the spike protein. That's because of the N1 methyl pseudouridine modified RNA or mod RNA. That's what's doing that. The spike protein is indeed neurotoxic and it impairs DNA repair mechanisms. So if it's neurotoxic and it keeps making them, well, we see what's doing to people that are injected. Suppression of type one interferon responses, impaired innate immunity, potentially cause increased risk of infectious diseases and cancers. The codon optimization, which is what we're talking about, results in G-rich mRNA that has unpredictable complex effects. The codon optimization, what we tried to point out when they shifted to a new injection early on in this, and we were like, look, the, the data shows you they've gone, they've the proline changes and codon optimization. And they were like, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, the codon optimization was the increased risk, along with all the risk that was already there. Yet again, now when I pointed that out, I wasn't aware of exactly what it was doing. My point was that's different. I'm, I'm clearly able to look and see that's different than the original documentation. And here we are. Turns out that was an important point. Now, this I'll include as well, the our Substack post on what's the difference between mRNA and mod RNA. You already know, you've watched this, but you can break this down, the information showing you the difference and the information from their own documentation and so on and so on. From Pfizer's own notice. And mod RNA candidate, BNT162B2, which is the one they've continued to use. Mod RNA despite the people that are screeching that that's not true. Now, I also covered this, by the way, in May 2023 about the new cancer one they're also working on, which is an, another mod RNA, same N1 methyl pseudouridine, uridine, methyl pseudouridine modified RNA shot. 
I found it in their documentation, super far in it, though, by the way. They use mRNA everywhere until you get to that one special part. Turns out, yes, it is indeed mod RNA. And will destroy your immune system in the same way. That's why the platform, right? That's why that port's, that part is important. The platform itself is the, largely the issue. Which they probably know. Now, Do- Andrew Boston points out a very, very important part. So here we are in 2021, where there no where where you can see Drew uh, uh, Wiseman, who just got the Nobel Prize, discussing or rather lying about the risks that they're that these things are giving people or the risks that are included. Now, Andrew points out a really important point that goes back to 2018, where he acknowledges the risks that he then pretends weren't there in 2021. So I think we can acknowledge that he's probably lying. Dr. Drew Wiseman, Nobel Prize in Medicine winner, and for his, in this case, work on the mRNA technology, he corrects that down here, his, issued an honest 2018 warning about potential mRNA vaccine toxicity hyperinflammatory responses, autoimmune triggering, thrombosis. Explain for me how he can say this about this platform setup and then comes around here and says, no issue, there's no, I can't even fathom a reason why it might have a risk right here. Here's what he says. Here's his, oops, hold on. I knew it was going to do that. I have it down here. Potential safety populations. That's what I'm going to be reading. So you'll see up here at the very top, Drew Wiseman, 2018. So here's what it says. Just the one part I want to get into. There's a lot of interesting things in here, by the way. Here. So under this, under the category of safety in general, it says, uh, Potential safety concerns that are likely to be evaluated in future preclinical and clinical studies include local and systemic inflammation. Well, that sure sounds like an effect, potentially even long term. Systemic inflammation is super dangerous. That can be deadly. I mean, it often is. It leads to a lot of other problems. So that's sure as hell a long term side effect. And it, go, and it says the biodistribution and persistence of expressed immunogen. The opposite of what he just tore, told you wasn't going to happen, right? The fact that it goes around your body and then it continues to be made. Stimulation of autoreactive antibodies and potential toxic effects of any non-native nucleotides and delivery system components. I mean, guys, this is literally what we're watching happen. A possible concern could be that some mRNA-based vaccine platforms induce potent type 1 interferon responses. Wait a minute. Didn't we just see that? Type 1 interferon responses, impairing innate immunity. Well, look at that. Dr. Mercola, right again. Peter Mercola, as well as Mercola. But here he says, a possible concern could be induce potent type 1 interferon responses. It's exactly what he's finding in the peer-reviewed study today, which have been associated not only with inflammation, but also potentially with autoimmunity. Well, what do you know? Exactly what we're seeing in part, along with a hell of a lot more, 
Thus, identification of individuals at an increased risk of autoimmune reactions before mRNA vaccination may allow reasonable precautions to be taken. You know what they're doing instead? Everyone with an immune issue, be first. Rush to the front of the line because you're at most risk. Think about that. In his own study of this very technology, he's saying we should find out if people have immune issues and take precautions there, which is what they've always done before. Weirdly enough, like every other aspect of all of this, they made the thing happen that would be most risky. Make them wear cloth masks and increase their risk of infection. Make sure they get flu shots before it starts because that'll increase their risk. At, I mean, every, every single thing they've done has been riskier, added danger. And I sure as hell love to make it look clumsy, but I'm starting to think quite clearly this is by design. Another potential safety issue could derive from the presence of extracellular RNA during mRNA vaccination. What do you know? Extracellular naked RNA has been shown to increase the permeability of tightly packed endothelial cells and may thus contribute to uh, oedema, which I looked up as just another issue, I think, with swelling and all sorts of other things. Another study showed that extracellular RNA promoted blood coagulation and pathological thrombus formation. Exactly what we're seeing. Safety will therefore need continued evaluation as different mRNA modalities and delivery systems are utilized for the first time in humans and are tested in larger patient populations. Oh, apparently he knew that was going to happen. What a, he must be psychic, right? Two years, three, well, I guess two years beforehand. Somehow knew that the thing that had never been done, as he just said, for the first time in humans... And somehow we knew that in the midst of the biggest pandemic in a century that they would rush out something that had never been done before. Does that even sound like a smart or logical or safe thing to do? No, it sounds like what they wanted to do. So they did it. And every single thing he was worried about is happening right now. And yet here he is going, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. There's not a problem. Man, this is pretty dark, man. I'm telling you, there's a lot of very unnerving stuff about this. Refugee of Sinners points out, excuse me, Refuge of Sinners, announcement of the 2023 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine by Professor Thomas uh, Perlman. A Chinese journalist asked an interesting question. With the mRNA, do we know the long-term effect yet? Do we have any concern over that? Listen to the answers. I mean, you just heard him say in 2021, there's no way there could be long-term side effects. Well, guess what? Today we know there are. Interesting, the difference. Uh, hello, this is Caixin Media from China. And uh, with the mRNA, we don't know the long-term effect yet. So do you have any concern over that? Uh, Richard, would you like to respond to that question? Yes. Um, of course, you know, mRNA vaccines have only been given for a certain amount of time, which begs your question. Having said that, of course, the mRNA vaccine that is given is very transient, and the fact that 13 billion people have gotten the virus, vaccine virus. Oops. I'm sure people will, you know, maybe that means something, maybe it doesn't. For people that don't want it to will act like you're crazy for even thinking it, but I do find that fascinating. Now, you know, it starts with a V. But there's a lot of people that have made that mistake. Since they've all gotten the virus, well, maybe the maybe that's a little more Freudian than we realize. You know, the whole Freudian slip. Like maybe there's, you know, people are in fact getting sick from this, but who knows? Either way, the point is that the same old game. Well, a lot of people have gotten it and nothing seems like there's a problem. Well, it's because you're all ignoring anywhere that shows a problem. 
We're baffled by the excess death. We're baffled by the cardio, the, the cardiological diseases. We're baffled by the neonatal deaths. We're baffled by anything that shows what we, we just go, we, we don't know. But look at Vayers. Look at the spike in the deaths 14 days after injection. Well, it's unverified. So you're not really baffled. You're just willfully ignorant is the reality. 15 million people, sure. But a lot of them got hurt and you guys don't care. And uh, I mean, the, and the amount of side effects noted to date is extremely limited. So uh, <laughs> I don't think it's a, it's a major concern. Oh, that's it. That's, uh, yeah, I, so I don't think it's a problem. Really, really, really compelling, right? <laughs> I mean, that's all you got? Anyone else want to add uh, to that? Or that's fine, I guess. I think that's... Wow. Well, it can't be integrated into the nucleus, into sure. the DNA. And that's, Incorrect. you know, a safety precaution. Mm -hmm. The adverse effects that's been noted is mostly a mild uh, myocarditis or perimyocarditis. Oh, is that it? Just a little heart swelling. <laughs> no big deal. Only one in 35. No big deal. You know, you may die in 10 years, but it's all good. Just safe and effective, though. Mainly affecting young males. Oh, right. The children. Because, you know, usually we don't mind when children can get their heart swelled. You know, when children have potential heart attacks. That's the acceptable level of danger in 2023. But that normally resolves without any long-term effect. Oh, normally. Sometimes they die, but, you know, it's all good. Just take the shot. You know, or the fact that within 25 to 56 years, it could be... Or, no, no, excuse me. I said that backwards. Within 25... Within 10 years, your, your risk from a non-serious case of myocarditis can increase by 25 to 56%. Your mortality risk, that is. So you could potentially die 56% more likely because of your non-serious myocarditis. That's an NIH study from before all of this, right? So just because they go, it went away right away. Well, then that's why we see kids collapsing on the football field. Everything else we keep seeing. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure everyone collapsing is because of that. But the bottom line is, it is clear. They're admitting that there is a heart effect. So why is it so hard for people to wrap their minds around that that might be why it happened? It's, that's, it's, a, it's willful ignorance. They don't want to see it. But these people, man, I mean, it's alarming. So you have somebody asking the long-term side effects, and they, and they give you a worse answer, it seems, than he did in 2021. All of the data is here. We are watching this thing explode the population, and they're accepting awards and lying about it. Unbelievable. So we're going to finish today, the last half of the show, really, but the segment we're going to get into with the DARPA aspect of this. But I wanted to point one thing out before we get into that. In May of 2023, I talked about this discussion. Dual use. New aerosolized mRNA delivering nanoparticles can vaccinate or they can eliminate. Plenty of people, because of the, you know, honest statement there, which is exactly what they're talking about, and it wasn't, you know, half-heartedly written to not scare some of the worried people away, did exactly that. Conspiracy theory, even though this is a Yale discussion and coming directly from high-level science, the point is this is real. And we've, we've gone over this, I think, twice or three times since this came out. My point, though, is in May we talked about this. Aerosolized mRNA delivering what they claim is the vaccination. That's terrifying. How do we know that's not already being used? Now, Dr. Kat Lindsay, uh, Lind Lindley, excuse me, on, on yesterday points out another development of this. This is an old, or rather just another aspect of this. Uh, and this was, I believe, I believe this was an update, a newer study. Either way, the point is, no, no, I'm sorry. It is the same one. It looks like a different title. But in any case, the point I'm trying to make is the direction of this research. She's just simply pointing out that this is a real thing. 
The Yale University researchers have developed an airborne method for delivering mRNA into your lungs. We shouldn't need that additional part. You, this, all, the li- all the links and source materials here, but, you know, it's there. Here is the defender discussing the same point. Yale researchers develop airborne mRNA vaccines. Now, you all know this. We've talked about it already. This part of it's alarming because this could be something that could be given, done in confined areas. Maybe you're in a hospital or maybe you're in a jail cell. Maybe you're detained for some other reason somewhere else on the border. The point is these things happen. We've already seen they could argue or rationalize this in certain emergencies because of safety. They, we've already seen this happen. I also talked about this on August 28, 2023. Turning your body into a drug slash weapons factory. Now, it's a similar conversation. This today, the latter part of the show today goes into a much more alarming part of this. This was about both of these kind of combined, right? The idea that you have something that is being given to you, either through an injection or some kind of aerosolized particle that is then causing your body to make that thing, right? The spike protein, for example, to continue to make that. Now that you could argue from the perspective of the dual use aspect could be the thing you need. Or it could be something that hurts you. And then especially since we know this is where this is going. And we also already know that there's the spike protein shedding has already proven, proven to be able to transfer to somebody else and then get them sick with symptoms and illness and spread it again. What is that if not self-spreading? My point is that from this article's discussion forward, it was about one thing. Right? Priming your body to make this from the injection forward. Now, what we're going to talk about today is kind of the next evolution of this. That's why I framed the title, not a weapons or drug factory, but a bio factory. Could be drugs, could be any number of things that might be biological in nature that they want to produce using your body. And this goes back two decades to the military. Everything else we point out, the military is working on something to create this and alter evolution. As we told you, they wanted to alter evolution in 20 years, puts us right on the dot today. Actually, let me see if I can grab that. There you go. Good one to include. I haven't talked about that in a minute. This is the, the a government document before all of this <clears throat> that discussed a 20-year plan to, quote, alter evolution with nanotechnology. That's it's it's doc, it's a it's right here, actually. Read it for yourself. June 2002. Puts you at 2022. When they, you know, begin the effort, essentially, or rather when they mark the date, they think they're going to do it. The point is, I think we're already in the midst of this. Let me add that here. So going forward, we're at the point where they want to create something to make your body that living foundry, living pharmacy, living aspect where they can produce any number of things on top of what they're already doing. And this is a very real concept that I think we're already in. Now, my point was, this goes back from the beginning, 20 plus years ago, military working on this aspect for all sorts of alarming reasons. And then in a weird kind of pivot in the midst of all this, using the same people, it becomes an injection that goes in your body. Now you could ask, and rightly so, whether that is this, and we just got tricked into taking it. And the next part is going to be further development of that same technology, or that was just an experiment to see if it, one part or another will work or just to get you used to or normalizing the concept of this kind of technology. It's up for you to decide. But here it is on ARPA-H. A program for real-time drug delivery and disease tracking. Now, we've been talking about this idea of real-time drug delivery 
to hold Lieber-Langer overlap. That's the payload delivery system. But what we're getting into now is something that's internal, either a pl- an, impl- an implant that they can control from outside your body, or somebody can, or using genetically g- gene editing to make your body create those things themselves. And that's why I've played this clip so many times before COVID-19 ever started, the illusion. This is Forbes and Pfizer discussing what they want to do in the future. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Look at that. So weirdly enough, what they were all excited about right before this Now this is what they're using on the back of what they claim they successfully did during COVID-19. None of that makes any sense. What it really shows you is we're being lied to about anything that's happening. The direction, where it's stemming from, what they want to accomplish. So here's what it says. Thank you again to Orwell for sharing this with me. ARPA-H launches program. And actually here, hold on, we should do this really quickly. which stands for Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, whereas DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. It's the same damn thing, guys. It is the same game, and they're simply trying to branch off the military arm into a civilian health aspect, when really, it's all the same technology, same people, same discussion, same effort. It's, it's, we're being tricked into thinking this is some kind of a health-focused aspect, in my opinion. Here's what it says. Launches program for real-time drug delivery and disease tracking in your body. That's that's the medical pre-crime discussion to improve self-care. September 29, 2023. Called Resilient Extended Automatic Cell Therapies. React. That's the entire program. HHS, all of them together. Developing two platforms. A living pharmacy to automatically deliver prescribed treatments prescribed treatments and a living sentinel that allows the individual or their care team to detect key biomarkers of disease in the first track of the react program arpa h is seeking solutions that leverage recent advances in synthetic biology of course because we learned so much with the experiment on your bodies the truth is this was already happened before that but they need to act like you were part of the advancement we did it together guys Recent advancements in the synthetic biology, materials, and bioelectronics to form what the team calls an implantable living pharmacy. We played this in the beginning. Klaus Schwab telling you this was coming. This is your future, right? The combining of these things in your body. That's that again, and that is the bio-digital convergence discussion. That's what this is. The living pharmacy would, if successful, consist of a bioelectric carrier that maintains cells engineered to create and provide a hormone, a cytokine, or other therapeutic molecules. So whatever, they, whatever they create, whatever they, they train your body via mRNA instruction to create. They talk about cancers and diabetes, always the same things. Get Make prosthetic arms and, you know, uh, Parkinson's and... You know, so they love to give you the, ar- the argument that'll make you think we're helping everybody. You know, or also, you know, manipulating human species and controlling your body and all the other things the military really is trying to accomplish and the way they weaponize all of this. Now, and remember this document, because we're going to get into a part where we come back to the, the beginning of all of this, right? From the 
kind of the beginning point of when they decide this aspect is going forward. And just think of the timing overlaps. It says in the second track of the React program, successful pr- proposers will work to create a complementary implantable device known as the Living Sentinel. So my point is you could literally argue that the implantable living pharmacy aspect has already been injected into your body. I'm not saying I can prove that. Certainly possible, though. The living sentinel aspect is the next next part of it. Here's the next thing we want to give everybody to make sure you're safe and everything's effective. The The living sentinel would, if successful, consist of a similar carrier and cell combination to the living pharmacy, but would use the cells to detect a key biomarker of disease, which could be tracked through a secure connection between the sentinel and a secure handheld device, such as a smartphone which is totally secure. It can't be hacked and manipulated, right? Through a living sentinel, patients or their care teams, whoever that would be, could better monitor disease, allowing them to recalibrate treatments as needed. Well, you see, it's simple to make this sound like it's completely within your control. But what happens when you're arrested? Because you wouldn't take the the injection everyone needs to stay safe. And they decide that they're going to do this to you because they're your caretakers now. Or any number of other possibilities where that aspect becomes not by choice. The, we, we, the entire COVID discussion opened the reality for people that they can make. There's any number of circumstances where they suddenly rationalize things that we never thought possible. Strapping you down and injecting you, for example, which happened in Germany and all over the world. In nursing homes, we showed you video of nursing home people that got held down and injected because they argued they didn't know what was going on. And then many of them later died. Built under the uh, including aspects Building an implantable bioelectric device that houses the living cells with the ability to provide secure communications between the patient and carrier and between the carrier and the engineered cells. Components must be integrated such that recharging is required only once a week. Recharging the implantable device in your body. Establishing reliable and accurate release of the therapy or accurate tracking of a biomarker for at least one year. After implantation, because your your body's the property of RPH now. I think they left that part out. Well, here under the React program specifically, resilient extended automatic cell therapies. This is everything we've been telling you about. The implantable discussion. And what if your body could make its own medicine? Well, sure, then they could charge you for something that you don't need them for anymore. Or even then know that they're, I, we, you know, the idea of anybody, I was kind of joking, that we anybody would ever want any of this blows my mind. I mean, I mean, think about like, somebody made a joke about this the other day. Like when somebody puts out a new, like a new phone or something, smart people wait a year to get all of the side effects out of the way or all the issues they correct. You're the testing group, Right. Why is it any different with these injections? <clears throat> Somebody made that joke about the, the COVID shot, even though they said, look, I wasn't questioning it. I was even planning on getting it. But no, regardless of what they said, I was going to wait six months to get it because they're not stupid. <laughs> they literally said, and it's the same thing here. Why would anybody decide to go, yeah, jam that in my body and I guess just hope there's no random malfunction side effects creation of things i don't need overproduction i mean my god or the fact that it somehow genetically alters your body to start pumping out things when you don't need them or to attack itself or you know all the things we're seeing happen now we'll find out the problem of course this is the point i want to highlight failure to properly take prescription drugs also known as medication non-adherence you know dirty anti-vaxxers right is a major problem in the united states 
Well, of course, they're framing this as, you know, schizophrenics that won't take their medicine. Sort of like exactly how Albert Borlo is framing this in 2018. But we all know that it could be applied in a much different way. It's a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sec- sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, uh, compliance, uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. Well, yeah, but there's also plenty of examples where people are, quote unquote, supposed to take something where we all agree there's a moral issue. In any number of cases, and I'm talking even in prisons, in mental institutions, like the idea that they just randomly decide somebody then needs something. Well, in many cases, we've already shown that they're unsafe or that this was a choice that was made from administrative level and the people behind their care, the mom, the the husbands, the father, they don't want that. Or, I mean, or how about just examples of children being taken from their families because the mom refuses chemotherapy and then they force them to take it anyway. Those things happen, guys. So my point is that, that is how that could be applied. You know this is possible. So, of course, that's the problem. Americans not taking the medications we decide they need. Here's the solution. React aims to overcome the problem surrounding medication non-adherence by creating two different but related bioelectric devices capable of treating chronic conditions remotely. These devices will be implanted in patients during minor outpatient surgery. And we'll in for in and quite frankly, I think we're so far past even this, by the way, this is just step one in regard to the bio digital convergence. But it says that the, the two different related bioelectric devices capable of treating chronic conditions remotely that will be implanted during minor outpatient surgery and will interface with a simple software platform or app that allows users to track their condition directly, you know, or whoever else has control of the platform. Interesting how all this is a software platform app user. It's just like the mRNA platform, plug and play. I mean, it's all the same technology. There's a reason for this. And this, it's not even a, really an analogy in the sense that they just need a computer screen genetic sequence and to plug that into the new system, pump out the new thing and give people a new injection. Based on no safety testing, we're watching that happen today. It says for the first device, React aims to develop an implantable living pharmacy. Now we're going to get into this next and that's kind of the main focus. First, it was Living Foundry from DARPA. And now, totally not the military side of things. We're just going to change the name a little bit and pretend it's a whole new thing. Living Pharmacy, programmed to deliver therapeutic molecules in the patient on demand. That's terrifying. Of course, there's no way that can be misused or go wrong, right? This device will include cells modified to release specific treatments into the body along with a control system that modulates the dosage. Using this approach, patients can automatically deliver single or combination therapies that are specifically tailored to the individual user by their doctor. What happens if you don't want it? For the second device, now, I mean, as much as I'm heart drilling that home, plenty of people are going to act like that's ridiculous. I'm not saying that's going to happen right away. Or who knows, maybe not ever. This scares me either way because of all the possible things that they're going to... I mean, right now, we're watching them act like there's no problem when we all know there's a problem. So why would we think it'll be any different then? And we're already so far down the road. I mean, how do you ever come back from something like that? My point is we must be aware of what's happening now and just simply expect the same while questioning everything because it's what, they're, it's what they've shown us so far. 
But it says for the second device, the React aims to create a living sentinel that measures key biomarkers in the body. This device will use similar components to the living pharmacy, but instead of delivering treatments, it will detect markers for disease and relay that information to the patient via software platform or app. In doing so, the Sentinel will provide real-time information that helps patients and doctors track the disease and make appropriate therapy decisions. Now, look, a completely benign system that really was in your best interest, it's, it's interesting. Nonetheless, I don't want anything like this internal, implanted, any of that, or outwardly. I don't, I don't, this stuff is not, I, I'm never going to be okay with this. But I can understand why a person who might not see the risks would see, oh, look, I can have something in my body that'll tell me when I'm about to get sick and I can get ahead of it. You know, the average person might see some interest in this, but we need to see the dark, the shadow behind it all, the real purpose that has nothing to do with your health. That's what really concerns me. And this is what we're going to get into. Here is yet again, Whitney's outstanding article, Coronavirus Gives a Dangerous Boost to DARPA's Darkest Agenda. This is where it comes from. Now, I'm going to draw a straight line from this work into COVID-19 and beyond. And you need to ask yourself why it would pivot like this. And, you know, maybe maybe you just think it's organic and they just thought it was the right thing to do. I think it's pretty obvious that's not true. But as always, it's up for you to decide. And as always, Whitney Webb, even to myself, continually going, like, I still find things in these articles and I'm like, oh, I can't, I didn't even recognize what that was at the time. And now we can see it. Whitney was so far ahead of this story. May 4th, 2020. Now, we've gone over some recent parts of this just recently, specifically the in vivo nano platforms. Very closely overlap what we're talking about today. The idea of an implantable platform that would create you know, a nano platform that could be used in regard to the nanotechnology aspect of all of this. And it's terrifying. But we're going to, this is what we just went over recently. Again, implantable nano platforms composed of biocompatible, non toxic materials. Very similar conversation. But today we're going to get into the living foundries aspect. Interesting. And again, DARPA. Right? So ARPA-H, we're being told, has got this new idea for the same thing. Called living pharmacies today. Well, here's what it was back then. This goes way before 2020. Another longstanding DARPA program, military, now overseen by uh, BTO, which was the Biological Technologies Office, created in 2014. Now overseen by that group is known as Living Foundries. Now, really quickly, I want to come back to it. This is no this is an archived page from DARPA. Just so you can see that it's on DARPA's page, and I'll read from you, read to you. Actually, let me do it right now. I think maybe that'll make more sense seeing as how some of this might be a little bit overlapped. So here we are talking about the living foundries all the way back in 2020. And here's what it said back then on DARPA before this ever started with ARPA-H. DARPA's living foundries program aims to enable. Now look at how clearly the overlap. It's, it's almost identical language. DARPA's living foundries program aims to enable adaptable, scalable, and on-demand production of such molecules by programming the fundamental metabolic processes of biological systems to generate a vast number of complex molecules that are not otherwise accessible. Through living foundries, DARPA is transforming synthetic biomanufacturing into a predictable engineering practice, supportive of a broad range of national security objectives, you know, or alternatively for your health and safety, you know, whatever works in the moment for their agenda, right? 
So recognize that's what it's really about. National security object objectives, you know, using your body to get there. So how do we do it? We create a fake illu illusion of a pandemic and make sure you think that the solution is the thing we want to test. Simple. The program includes two components, living foundries under ATCG, which is advanced tools for capabilities for generalizable platforms and two living foundries, a thousand molecules, which is terrifying. The first component, living foundries, completed successfully. So recognize that, that in, at this time, this was a, I forget when this came out exactly, but this was, you know, Living Foundries, the first part of this was done a while ago. It focused on a development of next generation tools and technologies for engineering biological systems. All right, so that's where all this comes from. All the work and all the research and the tools and the setups and, you know, even things that I would argue like getting into the testing we're using, it all overlaps with the same direction. Engineering biological systems. Technological, uh, technical areas of interest included design and automation tools, modular genetic parts and devices, standardized test platforms and chassis, tools for rapid physical construction of biological systems, editing and manipulation of genetic designs, but totally not gene therapy, they want you to believe, and characterization of debugging tools for synthetic biological networks. Then, of course, the ongoing, to this day, I would argue, Living Foundry's 1,000 molecules component seeks to further refine the initial capability to significantly decrease the cost, improve the scalability, and expand the complexity of engineering systems for biomanufacturing. That's just now about, you know, pretending to keep you safe. Realize that Biden rolls out his executive order for the bioeconomy. All of this was decided long before COVID ever pretended to be the reason. Efforts are focused on using automation, novel genome editing tools, and, and machine learning technologies to alleviate the challenges of uh, prototyping. As a proof of concept, DARPA aims to produce 1,000 molecules and material precursors spanning a wide range of defense-relevant applications, including industrial chemicals, pharmaceuticals, coatings, and adhesives. All in the same category. One of those was the thing you're putting in your body. To be customized to continuously evolving DOD needs while ensuring continued leadership of the U.S. in rapidly evolving field of synthetic biology. None of that has to do with making sure you're safe. That's very concerning. A thousand different molecules. They're, they're deciding to make this. So back to, the, back to Whitney's article. So now overseen at the time 2020 by BTO, according to DARPA's website, Living Foundries aims to enable, as we just read, adaptable, scalable, on-demand production of synthetic molecules by programming the fundamental metabolic processes of biological systems to generate a vast number of complex molecules that are not otherwise accessible. Through Living Foundries, DARPA is transforming synthetic biomanufacturing bio into a predictable engineering practice supportive of a broad range of national security objectives. These types of research... The types of research this Living Foundries program supports involves the creation of artificial life, including the creation of artificial genetic material, including artificial chromosomes, the creation of entirely new organisms, and using artificial genetic material to, quote, add new capabilities, capacities, excuse me, to human beings, i.e., genetically modifying humans through the insertion of synth uh, synthetically created genetic material. Welcome to COVID-19 injections. They're sure as hell testing on us. The latter is of particular concern 
though all are honestly concerning, as DARPA also has a project called Advanced Tools for Mammalian Genome Engineering, which, despite having mammalian in the name, is focused specifically on improving the utility of human artificial chromosomes, or HACs. That's that's the Thousand Molecules program, which DARPA describes as a, quote, fundamental tool in the development of advancing therapeutics, vaccines, and cellular diagnostics. It all stems back to this and further behind that, actually. Though research papers often focus on HACs as a revolutionary medical advancement, they are also frequently promoted as a means of enhancing humans by imbuing them with non-natural characteristics, including halting aging or improving cognition. Let's not forget, we talked about the interleukin-15 overlap to the injection point. There's an overlap there, which I think is an experiment in trying to find out whether they can influence or halt or add or you know affect age. I've gone over that in a show. Here's one aspect we'll go over, to, go over in a minute, from 2021 even. Even using the term living pharmacy. Implantable living pharmacy could control the body's sleep or wake cycles. This is DARPA, guys. DARPA. So they're literally just repackaging DARPA information as, as ARPA-H and selling it to you as a health-focused civilian program. It's not. It's a military program. It always was. I'll read that in a second. DARPA is known to be involved in research where these methods are used to create super soldiers. That's what, that's what we're talking about. That no, that no longer require sleep or re- regular meals, among other augmented features, and has another program about creating metabolically dominant fighters. Reports on these programs also discuss the other very concerning use of these same technologies, genetic weapons, that would subvert DNA and undermine people's minds and bodies. Well, we already talked about this. They they invested $100 million in genetic extinction technology back in 2017. Again, the time frame is almost insulting how much it overlaps. May 2021, implantable living pharmacy could control your sleep cycles it says nicknamed the living pharmacy the device could be a powerful tool for military personnel or uh, excuse me for civilian use for for vaccines same thing going forward it says another potential application being actively investigated by darpa is the bio design program which is ex- which is examining the creation of synthetic organisms that are created to be immortal and program with a kill switch, allowing a synthetic yet organic organism organism to be turned off at any time. Well, we talked about this exact topic with George Webb. Entirely, in fact, AI-created drugs, same thing they're talking about, as well as being primed with a life switch. He, he's of the mind that that might be what comes next. You think for yourselves. This has, this has led some to speculate such research could open the door to the creation of human replicants used for fighting wars and other tasks. I quite frankly wonder why that's not even happening. I hope it doesn't. But I mean, with what they've already done, we make that joke about they cloned a sheep and a pig like 20 years ago. We don't even talk about it anymore. Come on. I think we all know somebody's been trying. But it says that this, this has led them to speculate for the human uh, replicants, such as those that appear on the science, fic- science film Blade Runner or many other examples. However, these genetic kill switches could also be inserted into actual humans through artificial chromosomes. That's what uh, George Webb's talking about, which just as they have the potential to extend life, also have the potential to cut it short. Notably, it was revealed in 2017 
that DARPA invested $100 million in gene drive research, which is involved in using genetic manipulation modification to wipe out entire populations, explaining why it is often referred to as genetic extinction technology. But we're, we're taken aback by the mention of stuff like that in, in polite society. It's embarrassing. In addition, other DARPA experiments involve the use of genetically modified viruses. What do you know? That insert genetic material into human cells. Here she is in May 2020, literally outlining the future of the gene- of the mRNA injections that they later force on the population. That's what that is. Literally. Or, I mean, I guess it's a variation of it because we've talked about the idea of the, the vector and modifying these viruses. Well, at the very least, we're talking about other versions of the COVID injections that use that. And also the idea of, I don't know, genetically modifying the vaccinia, cowpox as a vector to deliver the rabies, edible vaccines. I mean, all this stuff aligns with the same testing. Genetically modified viruses, which, by the way, in its own right, is gain of function that insert genetic material into human cells, specifically neurons in the brain, in order to tweak human brain chemistry. How do they figure that out? They test it. In one example, DARPA-funded research has altered human brain cells to produce two new proteins. The first allowed neural activity to be easily detected by external devices. Now, how do we know that hasn't already happened? Like, here's a good example. Maybe that's a benign protein that doesn't have any negative side effects. Who knows? But it can activate this situation where they're now able to outwardly detect your your internal brainwaves. Like, that's what she's saying. And you can read the study for yourself. They can do it. Now, has it been used on a worldwide scale? Would we even know? That's a good question. And the second, allowing magnetic nanoparticles to induce an image or sound in the person's mind. We're already seeing this stuff, guys. Terrifying. Read the whole article, guys. There's a whole bunch of good stuff in here that I've already covered in different parts, right? DARPA saving us from COVID-19. Right. So here's where she gets into the kind of transition into the COVID-19 focus. It's very clear what's going on. Now, going forward from DARPA, here is a Wayback Machine, and I'll all this get the shout out all goes to uh, Global Biodefense. Not familiar with who runs the platform, but this is where I got the information from, and it's a shout out because they include the source material like so few do today. And here's where I got the link from. And I had to use the Wayback Machine because guess what? The links are gone. It's weird how they cover their tracks with information that's supposed to be in your best interest. But here's what it says from Living, this is uh, from 2012, <clears throat> Living Foundries. ATCG, Advanced Tools and Capabilities for Generalizable Platforms. DARPA, May 31st, 2012, about $2.2 million. MIT, that's important because we're going to show you the Robert uh, Robert Langer, Bob Langer overlap from MIT. Here's what it says in the synopsis. DARPA is soliciting innovative research proposals to develop new tools, technologies, and methodologies to transform biology into an engineering practice. Just so you're clear, you're part of biology. To transform biology in general into something they can control. That's what they're saying. Now, these things weren't really public. Like, this is for DARPA, but you know, now because of the outward-facing, part, part, you know, uh, civilian part of it, people like myself are looking back, or even like Whitney was a long time ago, and you can see that these things are concerning. But of course, they frame it as a military only when they're doing it like this. But we can see that this overlaps. DARPA has constantly become civilian stuff. The goal, it says, is to enable the rapid development of previously unattainable technologies and products, leveraging biology, so your body, to solve challenges associated with production of new materials. 
novel capabilities, fuels, medicines, anything. And this is where the, from the military side of it, they talk about uh, core. Uh, um, there's, what's the word I was looking for? Corrosive or things that are corroding and things that are having like uh, wear and tear essentially and arguing that they can use bodies, biology, people's soldiers to like produce the things that they need. This is not a joke. Ultimately, it says, in turning biology into an engineering endeavor, <clears throat> Living Foundries aims to enable on-demand production of new and high-value materials, devices, and capabilities for the Department of Defense. Living Foundries, and guys, realize my point is that is now morphed into Living Pharmacy, right? And I even showed you the overlap in this where it literally uses the same information, Living Foundries, the point, or the uh, uh, pharmacy. My point is, this is what it is. This is DARPA telling you what they're actually doing. So when they try to repurpose this in the civilian sense, realize that it's always the same thing. Living Foundries, ATCG, focuses on the development of the component, <clears throat> advanced tools and capabilities for rapidly engineering new biological systems, rapid physical construction, editing, manipulation of genetic designs in every sense. And here's what I found really interesting. In 2011, the purpose of the amendment is to notify proposers of the establishment of a Twitter account all the way back then called Living Foundries. Here it is. Weirdly, completely absent. Only following 33 people, 499 followers, stopped posting on October 20th, 2011. Or they rather selectively edited everything from that point forward. Because that's all I can see. Very strange, right? And it is real, especially if you look at who's who they're following. And you can see all the Department of Defense, the U.S. Central Command. Very, very interesting. So this is, and this is the exact account name, and they created everything. So of their internal documentation, they decide to create a Twitter account. Why would that be? Propaganda, social influencing. That's what this is about. All the way back then. Then, of course, the way at the bottom, note that like you look up here at the top and you'll see that their office information and their data is, you know, Massachusetts, MIT, and so on under awarding address. But check it out at the bottom where their contracting office address just happens to be in Arlington, Virginia. Not that we need to really see through what DARPA actually is, but I think that's interesting and important. Then here is the next one for Living Foundries 1000 Molecules. Same kind of point. February 3rd, DARPA, 1.3 million. DARPA's Living Foundries, at the same point, seeks to build a scalable, integrated, rapid design to engineer biology. The infrastructure will enable transformative and currently inaccessible projects to develop advanced chemicals, materials, sensing capabilities, therapeutics, all of it. 2013. Improving capability to the Department of Defense and engineering biological community. Points the same. So thank you to Global Defense for having you know allowing that. But so let's realize that Robert Langer, who is the co-founder of Moderna, the injections, mRNA technology, and remember Moderna being the one with extra mRNA, but apparently no SV40 in the lipid nanoparticles. But what's interesting is you can see draw a line from his work through all of this, and then interestingly pivoted into COVID nineteen, right before this. Here he is, is MIT. Right, working on quite literally exactly what we're talking about from MIT 
on living boundaries. Like that's the work that he's involved in. And don't forget that DARPA is involved with the funding of the COVID injection too. All right. So here he is at MIT. Here he is transitioning over to COVID-19. Bob Langer on how science can tackle COVID-19. It's all the, and I've, I've gone in depth on this before. I'll include some show notes for you where he, we bring the technology over from this of the manipulating biology to engineer weapons and whatever else we want to make. And to go, Oh wait, we'll use it for you or everybody that we're not being told about. Bob Langer, the coronavirus common denominator ties to Charles Lieber, Charles Lieber being the, as I wrote the Charles Lieber connection from nanotechnology to COVID-19, to technocracy, the creator of the virus size transistor. Here is Robert Langer. Right there, working on a, and this is in two, this is in 1996, a microchip, microchip drug delivery device. All the way back then, working on an implantable device that could deliver drugs, MIT. That then morphs into something that could be more, you know, technologically advanced. In 2012 is when they begin the program. Then you can see right before all this, the same stuff gets repurposed into implantable drug delivery device oh i mean I, I, I missed a step the next one is covid this is from 2000 from 90s into 2012 right so we're in 2012 where this stuff is happening living foundries darpa all the same work then you can see a major step in the same direction the same work still mit robert langer implantable drug devices so this is the technological step we've gone past the idea of the uh, whatever we called it, microchip, microchip. Now we've got an implantable delivery system. MIT spin out science deal to commercialize microchips that release the therapeutics inside your body. Okay, well, why why would they then take a step back if the, you know in, in different things they did? Well, the point is, you could see this transition into M- uh, MIT time release drug tech opens door to self boot. Oh, let's see. Hold on, I went a little too far. How did I get that mixed up? Let me read this first. You guys already know most of this information anyway, but for those that are new, the point is that you can see the transition of the of the work directly into the COVID-19 discussion. Here, oh, that's what I did. So this is 2017 from Harvard, not Harvard Business Review, Harvard where's, where Charles Lieber came from or worked. The Edison of medicine, they say, in regard to Charles, Rob, excuse me, Robert Langer. And here's the point I found really interesting. It says, with such concrete, ambitious projects on the lab's docket in 2017, the customers have indeed come. Customers, so people that are investing in Robert Langer's work in this regard. Foundations, companies, scientists, and other labs and governments, including NIH. Exactly. Foundations and companies currently fund 63% of his $17 million budget. They range from Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, of course, Prostate Cancer Foundation, and others. A key reason we decided to work with Bob and his lab track record and controlled delivery, says the director of the uh, development of malaria at the uh, Gates Foundation. Bob and his team's creative and technical expertise cannot be overemphasized. Right. So Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which then channeled money into the creation of the vaccines using the same technology. A second criterion for project, for project selection is fit with the lab's core agenda or areas. Drug delivery, drug development, tissue engineering, and biomaterials. Most of what we do is at the interface of materials, biology, and medicine. (laughs) Exactly. So this is years before COVID-19 illusion. 2021, Moderna. So you can see that the co-founder of Moderna aspect that comes into play in 2022 or before that. 
2021, Moderna taps National Resilience's new Canadian manufacturing site for COVID vaccine production. Let's not forget that this is a CIA-linked company that I discussed with Destiny Resendez. The military intelligence hidden hand driving the COVID-19 injections. So there it comes full circle back to the military involvement in the injections that they are using technology from that goes all the way back to the DARPA aspect. And Bob Langer and Charles Lieber and everything else they're working on. It's ridiculous. And then 2022, MIT steps in, time drug release, tech opens door to self-boosting vaccines. So it's all building on itself, guys. And it comes back from all of it. It's MIT, Robert Langer, the overlap with DARPA, ARPA-H today, the COVID-19 injection, Moderna in general. I mean, there's it all intersects with everything. It's all the same work. It's incredibly frustrating. And then even tying back to CIA and the link they have with the biomanufacturing stuff in Ukraine. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And then one more point on this. Here it is. This is a press release from Maryland Congressional Delegation. When they were going to, this is when they were essentially establishing the ARPA-H group. And they were calling on the Department of Health and Human Services to make a permanent home for ARPA-H in Maryland. You know, right next to Fort Detrick. ARPA-H would benefit from a robust infrastructure. Headquartered in Maryland. Next to NIH, which is Bethesda, National Cancer Institute, Department of Energy, and Fort Detrick. And guess what? That's exactly where it ended up. Maryland. So now you've got a group that's literally working on... I mean, we you know the overlap of Fort... Uh, here, I'll just play this for those that may not even know how important Fort Detrick is to the bio-defense or bio-experimentation field. It's a really important one. And this is a terrifying topic, so make sure you seek out the... I'll put the link for the full episode of the full documentary in the show notes we have over 1300 documented cancer victims right now just in a one mile radius i'll be quite honest with you it's changed my life so radically sometimes i don't even know who i am 1300 people in a one mile radius and what's causing so much sickness it turns out all these victims have one thing in common they live next to a military base called fort dietrich and in that, even in the documentary, even there's a young girl at a bar and they ask her and they're like, oh, nobody here drinks the water. We all know nobody drinks the water. How disgusting is that? You know, like, we're not, why does nobody talk about that? Oh, Flint, Michigan, which, yeah, it matters, right? But it's everywhere, guys. I mean, there's so many examples of this and we're always just, we're controlled. The information is controlled and we're lied to. So we got the CIA overlap from both resilience or going back to the, the location of DARPA's uh, foundry, living foundries aspect. Right. All right. And let's not forget the beginning part of this. Right. So they're rolling out living pharmacy right now, trying to justify getting these things in your body when all of this ties directly back to a military program to be able to control biology. And then they took a little side detour into COVID injections to see what happened or however you want to frame that. Terrifying to me. Now, after all that being said, let's listen to what uh, Moderna is telling you about their the new the future of the revolutionary mod rna technology it's everything we're telling you they're working on universal you know everything because it's really about what we just told you it's not about the new you know new injections it's about using your body and the genetic manipulation to make something that can use they claim can be used for everything even though none of this is even remotely safe this is a piece of string a strand doesn't seem like much 
unless it's a strand of mRNA, the code of life inside every cell of your body. Then it- and now you're going to have an another, you know, entire grouping of people in the generation who all blindly believes that it's mRNA because the commercial said so. It has the power to change everything. mRNA has already changed how we fight viruses. And they, they really want you to think this. They want you to think they won already. It's already over. Didn't you know? Mission accomplished. We won. It worked. We're already building the next one. That's, I mean, it's the same old game. Just repeat, a lie repeated enough becomes the truth. Just keep saying it. Just keep shouting everybody down. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. It worked. It worked. It worked. Save it effective. Save it effective. Save it effective. And there you go. I mean, it's not working. I feel like most people can see it, but why aren't we doing anything about it? Right? I mean, it's that crazy. And I'm never advocating violence, but the point is that it's not. Even Fauci writes an article about how the entire setup did not work. And here they are praising the fact that it's working so good that we're going to make the next one. It's, and again, it's almost laughable if it wasn't so scary. It has created medicines at unprecedented speed. Yeah, mRNA could change how we stand up to multiple diseases. <laughs> From the widespread to the extremely rare. All the marketing, like, we're so happy and family and love and everything's amazing. And it's just so like, it just has nothing to do with anything they're talking about. They just want you to take from that that it's a positive, happy thing and they care about me. It's just, this is straight up marketing, which is just, I guess they all do it anyway. But the idea being that we can prove that none of this is safe, the platform, nor the thing they're delivering. It could even individualize how we approach cancer. One strand of mRNA could change life for the better. Right? That's the test. Everywhere. company that's getting us there moderna right mod rna i'm not making that up that's literally where it comes from and yet they i mean think about how ridiculous that is to make that your name and then lie about the fact that that's even what's happening well that's the thing we talk about guys you, you lie about everything eventually you're going to have to contradict a previous lie so i'm going to end with the reality after all that totally okay though Right? Everything will be fine. mRNA, cancer shots, RSV shots, flu shots, RSV flu, cancer shots altogether, RSV flu, pneumonia, RSV flu, monkey paw, whatever else they're combining, or the maybe the ferritin nanoparticle universal flu shot, or maybe the combination. I mean, it's, ever, it's amazing how many are being made. And they're safe and effective, they tell you, right? It's safe, except for the, the blood, brain clots, blood clots. It's safe, except for myocarditis, right? It's safe, though except for the menstrual irregularities, but it's safe, except for the Gambari syndrome, but it's totally safe, except for the transverse myelitis, but it's completely safe, except for the Bell's palsy though. And it's completely safe other than the anaphylaxis that might happen. But other than that, it's totally safe, except for the thrombocytopenia. And after that though, completely safe, except for maybe the hypersensitivity reactions. But other than that though, it's completely safe, oh, except for the fatalities. Oh, and, you know, on and on, the lymphocytopenia or the ALS or the, I mean, gosh, darn it, guys. It's never ending. Every one of these things have been proven to be side effects. 
And things like myocarditis are shockingly high to the point to where there literally could be nothing that outweighs the risk that that's giving them. I should say literally, but largely. But here we are. Every one of those things has been admitted. And there were, and we now know that these things are not, we know that this was never, ever worse than the flu. And I'll end there. Same group, Ionitis group, 2023, peer-reviewed, science direct. Like the place that you're supposed to, like nobody should be trusting any of this stuff. That's a really dumb thing to say. But from their perspective, the very place that they tell you should be trusting, the high-level scientific journal, peer-reviewed, high-level, well-done, completely sound study that nobody has retracted, no one's even pointing at it anymore because they can't debunk it. At a global level, before vaccines were ever given, infection fatality rate, between 0.03 and 0.07, under 69, which 94% of the population is in that category. They even, their narrative is that it has gotten less dangerous as it's been transmitting or, or tra- uh, mutating. So how do you make sense of that? And then we also know that the injection they gave from the very beginning was dangerous. 36% more dangerous than not taking the shot according to Pfizer's own phase three data on top of everything else. Right? But it's safe and effective. Scary. I mean, it really is. It's a, it's incredible what people are allowing to happen. Thank you for tuning in tonight, guys. Continue to get this information in front of people, especially in regard to the next steps that are coming. You know, and, and keep getting the information in front of people. Go back to the older articles. Get this stuff that in front of somebody that might need something like that with the source material, Whitney's older articles, or even some of the stuff we've written, myself included, a long time ago. There's a lot of important stuff on this platform. And I mean, the, the last American Vagabond. There's a lot of important stuff. So make sure you seek these out. You know, if you look, if you're out there searching a topic, step, check out the search bar on, on T-Lab and type it in there first and see what comes up. I'm willing to bet you you're going to be pleasantly surprised going back as far as I've ever been running this, as far as I've ever been running this platform. There's a lot of information there long before I was ever even doing this show and I was writing articles every day. I just don't have time for that anymore. Maybe I'll do it again in the future, but if you want to help support this platform, we definitely need your support guys right now. Uh, I, again, I keep floating this and I, I'm going to wait for the official confirmation, but I had a really great conversation today with somebody who I'm really excited. I'm going to be 99% going to be bringing on the team. And it's somebody that I'm, I'm just, I'm, I can't even express how happy I am that, it, that this person's gonna be part of what we're doing because it's somebody that you all know and that I'm, I'm just, I respect more than most. My point though, is that I, I, like I keep telling you, I, it's important to me to take care of these people. My usual kind of go-to is to give somebody a little bit more than they think that they deserve because I want them to feel that way when they come to this platform, because that's how they should be treated. And I need your help to do that. I'd like to grow to the point to where we can, I mean, I'd love to get to a place to where I could offer people like yearly salaries without any question, you know, that, but right now we, we do, you know, like most people month to month, but the more you support what we do, the more I can bring people like that on and we can grow this platform to the point to where it doesn't matter what they try to do. Right. I feel like we're almost there, quite frankly. That's just because I think you guys are working with us and we're doing the work that reaches people in ways that makes a difference. You know, that's, I think that's all that really matters. There's a you know donation link on the platform there and in, in the chat on the platform in general. You know, make sure you check us out on a lot of the different ways you can support this platform. Our Substack is a good way to support us. Uh, there's you know all the different sub, uh, subscribe star, buy me a coffee, 
our, our auto, uh, autonomy objective research courses in the show notes, all of this in the show notes, as well as just the autonomy links in general to check out Richard Grove's course, autonomy in general, the platforms. But there's a lot of ways that, you know, any of those ways will come back and support what we're doing. And on that note, final point, the pirate stream episode will be tomorrow. Like I mentioned, October 4th, it will be live, I guess, right when that's supposed to happen. So I guess we'll see what goes on. And we will be creating, uh, I mean, the reason we haven't yet, by the way, is because we haven't, it's still building. We still have a lot being built in regard to what we're doing in reg- to pirate stream, but there's no place necessarily to donate to like the pirate stream as an entity. So at, for the moment, if you want to donate, make sure do it individually to each of us based on our individual platforms, but we will be setting something up reasonably soon for you guys to start donating. If you choose to what we're doing with pirate stream. So just so you know, but that'll be tomorrow and we'll see you there. Uh, we'll be actually broadcasting from my, my studio with a new setup I'm playing with. Was going to be doing it there tonight, but I ended up having to come home. So I'll see you tomorrow for that. Truly from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for all you guys do. We wouldn't exist without you. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, if I encroach on you and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start, start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, Oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. Mike. Um, again, you know, speaking from the perspective of health systems and public health systems at country level, uh, we change the world one step at a time, one commitment at a time, one act at a time. So... I would, not, I would really like, like to underestimate the importance of this political declaration today. Because this is world leaders coming together and saying, this is important. We're in danger of forgetting how important this is, and we need to recommit to pandemic preparedness. Because we will not forget. We will learn the lessons, and we will move forward with an accord. We will move forward with pandemic preparedness, we will improve surveillance systems, we will take a One Health approach and manage the ecosystem we inhabit this planet, we inhabit this planet. Things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, if I encroach on you and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start, start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest, then I'm going to stop, then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed.